I, I focus on athletes that want to do big things. So if you want to reach that goal, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be hurdles. But how do you deal with them? Because that's ultimately what separates the guys at the top from everybody else. That's Olanihi Shabomahin, and this is the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to the show. This is the show where I do my best, my very best. I try. I really, really do to have meaningful conversations with compelling individuals about things that matter, all as a means to help all of us unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. So thank you so much for tuning into the show today, for subscribing to the show on iTunes, for taking a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. And of course, for always using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. The holiday season is upon us, like it or not. You might find yourself on Amazon purchasing a gift. Well, it would mean so much to us if you would take that extra millisecond and click through the banner ad at richroll.com first. Won't cost you anything extra. Uh, It just shakes loose a little bit of extra commission change on the Amazon side of the equation, and that really helps us keep the bandwidth flowing. It means a lot to us. So thank you so much to everybody who has made a habit of that. We greatly, greatly appreciate it, as I have said many times before. Okay, so today I've got Olanihi Shobamahin on the program. I think I said that right. Uh, He goes by Nihi for short. Uh, He's a great guy. He's a very entertaining, energetic guy. He is a former running back. Uh, for the New Orleans Saints. He's now a firefighter and a coach and the man behind a website called I'mNotYou.com where he helps athletes uh, of all skill levels and ages develop mindsets, habits, and systems to overcome fear and other mental limitations to unlock full potential. So even if you're not an athlete, there is a ton of great information in this conversation for everybody to mine in every area or facet of your life. And I've got a few more things I want to say about Nihi in a minute, but first. We all get it. Sometimes the news can really wear you down. That's why Wildcard, a new podcast from NPR, feels like a solution. It's an interview show that gives a special deck of cards to a whole bunch of fascinating guests, all in the hopes of sorting out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, all party game. Wildcard comes out every Thursday from NPR. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. 
Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentus.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. All right, so let's talk about today's show, today's guest, Olanihi Shabomi'in. For me, one of the more interesting things about this guy is that he was never the most talented or naturally gifted athlete. Uh, he was actually a walk-on player at the Oregon State football program. Yet through sheer determination, a huge heart, this immense capacity for mental toughness, uh, an extraordinary work ethic, basically by virtue of his desire to learn as much as he could from a wide variety of sport and life influencers, implement what he learned, essentially the willingness to do things others wouldn't, he was able to achieve his dream and make it all the way to the NFL. And I think there are a lot of important lessons in that for all of us. Now he's retired, he's a family man, he's working two careers, he's a firefighter, but his passion is really his commitment to coaching and helping young athletes, athletes of all types, ranging from middle school all the way to the pros, uh, to help them realize their dreams and potential by teaching habits, mindset and strategies, systems and techniques to dominate their sport. But like I said earlier, I think the fundamentals of Nihi's philosophy and approach are super germane to not just sport, but to maximizing potential in the pursuit of whatever dream you foster. I love Nihi's passion, his enthusiasm and perspective, and I felt his message would really nicely complement the message of my last podcast with Jesse Itzler and the principles that he learned living with Navy SEAL David Goggins. So today we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, uh, including how to overcome a talent deficit, combating fear and developing confidence, techniques for developing a mental edge, 
what holds most athletes, most people back, the common habits of the most successful athletes, the benefits of affirmation and visualization techniques, why he surveys his wife and kids every week on how he is doing. It's sort of like his version of the Goggins accountability mirror. And again, much like Jesse Itzler and David Goggins, why being uncomfortable is the key to success. So let's walk a mile in Nihi's cleats. So Nihi, Nihi Shobo. Yes, that's Nihi Shobo. That's, yep. the sh- that's short for Ola Nihi Shobo Mohin. Yeah, that's not bad, actually, it's man. Close. Yep. I didn't get it perfect, though, yeah. right? Ola Nihi Shobo Mohin. Okay. Is the full close, name, yeah. yeah. But people just call you Knee. knee yeah. My whole family calls me Knee. Most of my my football playing days, it was Showbo, and uh-huh. that's what I go by now. Like my friends call me that, and at the fire department as well. So, yeah, Showbo, cool, man. So, what are you doing down in L.A.? Man, L.A. So, n- other than coming here to chat with you, man, <laughs> me and my wife just got back from the Tony Robbins convention. Um, it was incredible, man. Last week, four days, Unleash the Power Within. Right, right. And so Tony Robbins is a is a guy that I follow a lot and I've learned a lot from just in uh-huh. terms of um, he's really changed a lot for me in terms of how I relate to athletes. And I've learned a lot through his material. So I decided uh, I have a coach through his program as well. And so I decided to uh, take me and my wife down here to do it, man. And it was <laughs> – I didn't know what to expect. They call it a seminar, but to call it a seminar is not doing it justice at all, right. man. It was like uh, – an experience that I can't even really fully explain, but it's it was a spiritual type of experience, which um, I'm not used to those type. Like uh, mm-hmm. one of the biggest takeaways for me walking away with this is like I kind of just totally switched the way that I look at what my definition of success is, you uh-huh. know. And uh, I've been one how of did those, it how did it change? So I'm one of those. I'm an athlete, obviously. Like I played um, I played NFL ball for a couple of years in mm-hmm. my whole life. Um, I was one of four boys. My dad is from Nigeria, a very masculine man. And so I never, I always was an achiever in terms of like, I always kind of saw myself as someone who I always push forward. I always go after what I want. I've, I've had the opportunity to reach a lot of goals in my life. And so a lot of men, we have this idea that in order to feel successful, we have to reach a certain status, like a certain level. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with a lot of athletes that I work with now. They feel like they can't be confident until they reach this this level of success that they're going after. But I realized that, man, life is so much more (laughs) about connection. It's about love. It's about love. And as corny as that sounds to someone like me, that would have sound corny to me. Uh Like it's, it's, it's about as real as it gets, man. Yeah. uh, You're not talking about love in the locker room at the same (laughs) 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 That doesn't go over so good. Not not too much, man. But ironically or, or weirdly enough, it actually, it it inspires you even more when you connect to a deeper part of you and it's 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 so much more than just achieving a certain goal or reaching mm-hmm. this or making a certain amount of money and i realized that i've been holding myself back a lot and not just with my wife but with my kids as well and just in general i was realizing that i connect with a lot of people but in terms of deep deep relationships that's something that i hasn't been a skill of mine and i've kind of known that and i found out that you know in order for me to really feel the level or, or to feel the feelings, like one of the things that he talked about is like everyone is going after feelings. It's really not when you say you want a car, you want money or you want, you know, a girlfriend or a, a wife or a husband. 
it's really not that you want. It's the feeling that you'll get. And mm-hmm. so for me, really identifying or with Or the those, feeling that you think it's going to give you exactly. about who you are that informs your identity. When exactly. You, when you, like, hang your hat on, you know, status or certain material possessions as being formative of your identity and the recipe for happiness, you're just chasing the dragon, man. Exactly. Because you know, it's inside. Yeah, you know? Yep. And that leads to so much frustration. And so one of the emotions that I, I experience a lot is frustration. And, and athletes can, re- can relate to this, and I'm sure a lot of men. But and, and in order for me to feel frustrated, it's like when I'm, if, when I'm reaching after certain goals or pushing forward and trying to achieve, if I don't see the results that I want right away, that leads to frustration. And then I have this feeling that, you know, I shouldn't be frustrated. And so then I try to hide my frustration, and I try to act like I got it going on, and uh-huh. I got everything figured out. And that leads to more front, frustration. You got to front, front a little bit. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Exactly. Clamp down on that pain yep. and that fear. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then that has negative repercussions in you know relationships, and that leads to me not really getting in in touch with like who I really am and really expressing myself and letting go. So it was it was an incredibly enlightening experience. Uh-huh. I, Did I make got, you cry? Oh, hey. So <laughs> it, no. So this is my my kids. They always. Uh, talk about how they never see me cry and and Mm -hmm. particularly my oldest daughter she always tries to get me to cry so there's been a couple of times where i've been close you know and she'll be like go ahead and cry and then you know that just messes it up so Mm -hmm. then i'm I'm i clamp up i'm like nah and so i never saw my dad cry never like my brothers don't cry and so i don't know if i've that that's something i took pride in but i i never wanted to cry like i don't i'm not the type of guy who wants to but this weekend over the course of the four days like I cried more than I ever have. Like mm-hmm. I mean, each day I did, uh, just sobbing, you know. And it was more like gratitude, man. Like I, I never, I never really felt that level of gratitude before. Like just truly blessed, that feeling of being blessed. And that's what overwhelmed me so much to where I was crying. And when we first got there, so a lot of people were telling us, "Don't sit next to your wife," uh-huh. you know. And so. And so we heard from the first guy, and I'm like, all right, uh, that makes sense to me, you know, because I, I kind of, like, wanted to, you know, be able to express myself in a way without having to wonder about, like, if she was going to be – and then they ask certain questions, and you don't want to be like – she's looking at me like, oh, or what are you going to say type of thing. Right. And then we heard from another person, and so I was like, yo, baby, uh, I think it might be a good idea for us to, you know, listen to these people's advice. And she wasn't really with that at first. Like, uh-huh. my wife really wanted to sit next to me. Because it'll edit you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Even if you feel like, you know, even and me and my wife are extremely close. We have a very open relationship. But it was just a level. And I, I needed to be on my own for that because by me doing that, I, I got in touch with a level, a side of me that I've never felt before. And she's very happy for that, you mm-hmm. know, and she can tell the difference. It's been Shoot, it just ended, uh, what was it, Sunday, you right. know, and I feel like a totally different man. man. That's so, crazy, man. Yeah. Did you uh, did you walk on the hot coals? Yes, we did, man. How does that work? It's oh man, it was it was wild. So that's actually the first night, and I don't know if I, I guess I can talk about it. No one yeah. told me not to talk about it, but it was it was uh, there's ten thousand people there in the in the Los Angeles Convention mm-hmm. Center, and I've always heard about the walk on the coals, but it wasn't really something that scared me because I was thinking. If a bunch of people have done it before, yeah, I, they've been I, doing it for years, right? You know? they, Everybody never, does it, yeah. so there's got to be some, you know, like, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but like, I still don't get it, right? I, I still don't get why not everyone is burning their feet. No, so here's how it works, and this is 
this is one of the things that I've always heard about and I've I thought I knew, but you don't know it until you feel it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest takeaways from this weekend as well. It's like you can understand something all you want, but you won't really like until you internalize it, until it's in your nervous system, like you can't really understand it. And so the difference between knowledge and experience. Exactly. And so he taught us how to access this state of just pure unstoppability and confidence. And uh, he has the unique ability. Tony Robbins has a very unique ability to like, there's 10,000 people in there and you feel like he's talking directly to you. Like you, mm-hmm. I mean, he's talking about chill bumps, just absolutely hype. And he got everyone in there to access the state of just pure unstoppability. And not just, not just like some corny, like rah, rah type of stuff, but actually to the point where like, you feel like you can literally do anything. And so what happens is when you're in that state, <clears throat> your body actually like will, you will not get burned because you have that level of certainty. So we always talk about belief. And this is one thing I, I talk to my athletes about. It's like, if you say that you know you can do something, but if you need to raise that level of belief to where it's it's not even, you expect it, you know? And that's something that intellectually you can say, okay, yeah, I get it. I, I believe I can do this. But no, you don't really you don't really believe that. No, yeah, the difference between like talking yourself into it and knowing it in your bones. Exactly, know it in your bones. So he got us to feel it in our bones to where 10,000 people are walking over 2,000 degree hot burning coals and not getting burned, uh-huh. you know? And so- Does uh, anybody crap out and not do it? It's got to be people. That, I felt like, like I saw this. Uh, I was watching, and so they have like these African drums playing. It's really like creepy. It's kind of like it's like everyone chanting and stuff, uh-huh. and there's all these calls, and um, and people are just screaming and just hype. But uh, there was I saw a few times where people kind of backed out, but they ended up going through again because uh-huh. you. The thing about it is, you actually will get burned if you don't have that level of certainty, which mm-hmm. is crazy. So like he he taught us very specifically how to go through it. So. One of the things is once you go through over the hot coals, you have to maintain that that level of certainty and that and, and be in that peak state. Otherwise, you will get burned because sometimes mm-hmm. there's some coals stuck on your toes or the bottom of your uh-huh. feet. So you gotta wait. Like you gotta be hyped all the way until you know you wipe it all off. But um, he talked about there's some I can't remember which uh, group of people who that's a part of their culture and when they do that. But you have to be. And that's what I, that that's it's like a level of certainty that I've never in my right. life felt before like that I feel like is a part of every person. What do you think it is about Tony Robbins that makes him so compelling? Like I look at him and he he like look he doesn't even look like a human being. Right. He's like some kind of alien cyborg <laughs> that like came down to earth, you know, with exactly. like some kind of wisdom that he imparts upon people, oh, but I mean he's incredibly gifted at what he does right. for sure, but I'm like What's that guy? Does that guy ever like you know just like I feel like does he ever let his guard down? Like, right. What, what is he like like behind closed door? You know, it's it's hard to get a grip on, right, on right. what he's like. But he's a special person. But it's kind of like it's sort of like the same thing that you see with someone like Oprah. You know, like oh, they're, exactly. they're like yeah, yeah. they have the big head. You like, know, like it doesn't quite like fit the body. Exactly, man. And so, like I told you, man, I followed this guy. Like I, I've read all his books. I listened to a lot of his audio programs and things. And when you when I actually went to the event and hear him talk live, he's he's not a different guy, but he puts. He has the ability to wear different masks in a way, but he's he's uncut in these in these uh in these events, mm-hmm. and so he's cursing. He's like, I mean, he's going all out, and you you really get. He tells a lot of stories that you don't hear in his books and that you might not hear on his audio programs, and you really get a feeling that this guy really he is human. Like he talks a he's very I feel like um 
he got he gets vulnerable in terms of sharing stories about himself uh, earlier on and sort of the things that made him do what he does and where he is now and even mm-hmm. he even talks about some of the things he did early in his career that he does totally different now you know and so you you just got to go to one of his events man and he's it's very inspirational because to see a guy actually at one point I was literally crying because of how grateful I was for a person like him and, and and this represents a lot of people that that I follow that are mentors to me, and and I know you provide this for people who listen to you. But and I've read your book, Finding Ultra, mm-hmm. right? And so for you to like share your story and to to achieve a certain level of mastery in your life, you know, to uh, you are impacting so many people, and that's so inspiring to me because that's something that drives me. I don't want my story to be so. I don't want to close myself off to the world. I, I want to be able to touch like millions of people through what it is that I that I've been able to do and what I continue to do Mm -hmm. and so in order to do that you have to become the type of guy who 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 deserves that level of of uh, right who can like who can who can like hold that authority right right, and say and stand in that space exactly and and like own it completely exactly and he's and he's he's paid that price I mean he's been doing it for 30 some years the he he literally he has his master university where he um he, he teaches you how to manage your finances, uh, relationships, business, and he's he's earned that because he's mastered every right. single one of those areas of his life. <laughs> where it's like it's like you have no choice but to just salute him, man. Like uh-huh. just salute, man. And uh, it was it was pretty incredible. That's cool, man. Yeah. Good, good, very cool. Well, thanks for making the trip down here, man. Definitely, it's man. nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, and let's let's like uh, let's let's unpack it, dude. I want to get into football career and kind of what you're doing with the coaching but maybe a good place to start is to just talk about uh i'm not you.com and kind of yes. what's going on with that and and your kind of perspective with working with athletes and kind of some of the principles that um you are uh <clears throat> you know teaching and imparting to young athletes to right. help them you know maximize their performance definitely man so just to give you a little backstory so i'm from portland oregon and i I've, i grew up playing football and I loved it so much. Uh, I played at Oregon State, went to Portland State, became an All-American there, and then got the chance got the chance to play in the league for a couple mm-hmm. years for the New Orleans Saints. And ultimately, my career was cut short due to injury. Uh, but I came back home, and I was like in this period of of indecision, you know, mm-hmm. like just not really knowing what to do next and sort of wandering. But I was coaching at a local high school, and I was working with these younger athletes. And I'm noticing, man, like these guys have so much talent. And I saw so much of myself in them, like, and they had way more talent than I than I had. Like, mm-hmm. I was never the biggest, fastest, strongest, but they just didn't have an idea of what it would actually take for them to reach their goals in their sport. And so, a lot of these athletes say they want to go to the NFL and they want to, you know, get a scholarship and things like that, but they didn't know what it took. And so, I took some of these guys up under my wing and started coaching them and mentoring them along the way. And at first, it was just really, you know, the the physical aspects of it, like how to work out, how to train, how to eat like a professional athlete. Um, and, and incorporating some of these these mental aspects as well. And as I got deeper into it, I started to get a little frustrated because you can teach these guys how to how to work out, you know, even how to eat and, and do all these different things. But mentally, they, they don't just do didn't, it. They yeah, don't. <laughs> right. And, and they don't do it. And even if they do, they're still not doing it with the level of intention that's needed to achieve a certain goal. And it goes back to this belief thing. A lot of them just simply don't believe that it's possible. They, mm-hmm. And they're doing all the right things. They're trying all these gadgets and different, you know, you see, you see now these guys wearing these masks and things running around. I'm like, if you don't focus on, you know, your how to master your emotions and how to really instill that confidence to where you 
you can overcome those inevitable challenges and obstacles that come along the way of reaching a goal as high as you have, right? Because that's that's one of the reasons. Like I, I focus on athletes that want to do big things. So if you want to reach that goal, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be hurdles. But how do you deal with them? Because that's ultimately what separates the guys at the top from everybody else. It's not that they're bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, you, uh, you look in any sport, any arena, you got guys who are – talented and things like that but it's do you have the the mental do you have the grit do you have the stamina the mental stamina the endurance to to uh to keep going and so that's when I sort of switched focus man I I went away from the physical training and I started doing what I call sports results coaching where I pretty much just focus on the mental the 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 habits the systems and the mindset and the overall strategy that you need to accomplish a goal and mm-hmm. so that's where I'm not you was born and um and I'm it's 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 my baby man I'm like super it's like the thing that I found that I'm so passionate about my wife will tell you I'll stay up all night I will talk about it all day it, I will re- I mean it's just it just lights me up you know what I mean and cool um, man well I love it I mean there's so many things to to you know embark upon or just get into with just what you just said just there but um you know I think a good place to kind of start is is to really unpack this idea of of you know of belief as a starting point right and you know you mentioned like the mask and all the gadgets and all that kind of stuff and it's right. really kind of like a cart before the horse right yeah. everybody wants you know we're in our this hack culture everybody wants a shortcut yep. and they think yep. if they drink this certain whatever it is you know post-workout drink yeah. or, or they have the right you know gps watch if you're exactly. a runner that that's gonna, that's going to be the thing yep and and really and they're overlooking the biggest thing which is how do you feel about yourself? Right? Exactly. And that's because that's the hard work. Yeah. And that, you know, like sort of turning that 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 spotlight around and focusing it inward. Exactly. Because if you don't actually believe that you're that you deserve to be on that field or, you know, <laughs> at the starting line of whatever race yep. it is, yep. it, n- none of the other stuff matters. Exactly. Right. But it's the stuff that we kind of push down and we puff our chest up and we act as if and we pretend. But honestly, like if you're not if you if you have something inside of you that doesn't think that you deserve to be there, then ultimately you're not going to achieve your potential. Exactly, man. And this is, and this is what you find with uh, all the athletes that I work with and what I found at the post at the, at the later part of my career with the saints. And so in my first year there, I got, I got injured. So I actually was a undrafted free agent and that means you're pretty much like an expendable type of guy, right. you know, like a, they call them a camp body. So that means you just keep everyone fresh until it's time to cut down the roster, you mm-hmm. know? And so I was one of the... The clock's ticking. Exactly. You know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So there was like probably about 20, 20 plus players that they bring in like that. And I was one of two guys who made the, the, the roster. And so, so I actually started my first game against the San Francisco 49ers in week four of that season. And it was incredible. It was a dream come true, man. Mm-hmm. Just running out the tunnel. And I still remember when I was watching the game before when I saw the, the fullback got, getting hurt, got hurt. And I'm just like, oh, shit, like... I'm up, <laughs> you know, right, like right, this, right. this is my time. And so, but in that game, I got, I busted my, my shoulder up to where I had to have surgery and I was out for the whole year. Right. One game. Yeah. One game, you know, and, Just uh, ends like that. Yep. And so, but I actually was still on the team, you know, rehabbed and, uh, they kept me around. They really believed in me. And so I, uh, started the pre- preseason. This is like 2008, right? 2008. Yep. Mm-hmm. 2008. 
And then the next year, I'm on, I'm on the uh, going through all the preseason games. But in the summer before, I worked out as hard as I've ever worked out. I stayed there in New Orleans, just training my ass off, doing all types of stuff, doing Bikram yoga, and you know, <laughs> like literally, I had every I had every aspect, you know, taken care of, you know, except uh-huh. right here though, except my mind, except the mental toughness, right? Uh-huh. And so after that injury, like I started to doubt myself and be get a little insecure about. You know, whether or not I was strong enough to be in the NFL, whether or not, you know, I could last, whether or not, you know, I started just entertaining all these negative ideas, but I kept doing what but I needed to do, right? Not to mention the fact that, you know, at any moment you could get cut, right? Exactly. And so the fear that comes along with oh, that, man. especially when your whole life is led up to this point. You're, exactly. I mean, your whole life, how many years had gone into, you know, making the NFL and you're finally there? Exactly. Knowing like at any moment it could just end and then what? Exactly. And that, and that anxiety it just is was with you the whole time. And um, I remember, so against the Oakland Raiders, I'm at the uh, at the game, and it's in Oakland, and all my family's in the Bay Area. So I know you went to Stanford. Two of my mm-hmm. brothers actually went to Stanford, oh, and wow. my other went to Santa Clara. So they all live in that area now. Uh-huh. And so they and all you came. you play football at Stanford, or no? No, you're the only football no, player. One of them played basketball there, but uh-huh. um, all of them. Uh, but yeah, they were just students there. And so um, I remember them coming to my game, man. And um, in the in the first in the first quarter, I want to say. I'm on punt return. And I don't know if you know, know much about football, but on my, my I know enough to know what that is. Right, right. <laughs> so at that particular, my role was to, I have to hold up the guy on the punt team, but you have to hold him in such a way that you don't get called for holding, you know. And but I made the mistake of holding on too long, and we got I got a holding call. Mm-hmm. And when I went back on the sideline, Coach Payton just ripped me another asshole, man. Like mm-hmm. this guy just went into me, you know, and uh, cursing. And I felt like it was actually, like, kind of personal. Like, he did it and say, like, he, like, I was like, damn, dude, like, really hurt my feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, man, I was pretty much, I was done, man. And I was I, I was so down, you know? And looking back on it, like, my whole, like, he literally kicked the whole spirit up out of me. And I remember halftime just being just, just so just depressed almost. But I didn't really know it at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I just felt horrible, you know? But all the while, the game's still going on, and I'm still playing, you mm-hmm. know. But I'm sitting here worrying out, about. Yeah, you're mentally checked out of the right. game. Right. And uh, I remember running. I'm on kickoff, and I'm running on kickoff, and I have feel like I have no energy, you know. And it's really hot out there, and we've been running the ball, and I'm a, I was a fullback, so blocking. But I was like one of the last guys going down on kickoff. I feel winded, tired, and b- being winded and tired was something that I was feeling in the previous games as well. And I'm like, why am I winded and tired? I've freaking trained my ass off this whole summer. Like I should be in the best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately I, I got cut eight weeks into the season and looking back on it, man, it's like, as I like analyze it, I wonder like what was going on there. It's, I, I just mentally it, when you're not feeling right, like when you, when you have certain, you know, when you're focusing your mind in such a way that it's, it like actually physically drains your energy and it physically takes away from your ability to perform. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens with so many athletes. Like they don't they never they don't have a solution for this anxiety for this that's plaguing them that they sort of they kind of just ignore it. Like I did. I just kind of ignored it and just kept training hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was going to be the solution. But it was not, man. And and so um, well, it's also like it's a weird thing with the coach, too, because I feel like. The coach has the responsibility to get the best performance out of his players, right? right so, right. do you ever think like, what would have happened if he just said, "Hey, man, don't sweat it. You know, you do <laughs> next time." Right. You know what that I mean? Was, like that definitely like would have been every, better. Yeah. Every individual, every player responds differently to different kind. You know, maybe another player would respond positively to right. getting reamed. You know, but right. for you, that didn't work exactly. And, and and you know, he's got so many players, so he doesn't know. You know, he, yep. he probably didn't know that, but. Um, 
you know, maybe on a basketball team where there's fewer players, you kind of know what buttons to push with each player to get the best performance out of it. Exactly. But, but a little bit, I mean, that's on you because you got to have the mental toughness exactly. to be able to bounce back, but it's also on him, I think, oh, yeah. a little bit. No, no doubt, and no question. And this is what, what happens with a lot of young athletes. There, I mean, there's coaches that I look back and I'm like, these guys had no idea what they were doing, you know, and they don't, they don't invest their time in learning how to relate to players. I mean, they're geniuses on the field and they know how to do X, Y, and Z, but it's like, if you don't know how to get a guy to perform at his best. And so that's I appreciate coaches who do take the time to learn those type of skills. But the reality is, is that there's a lot of people, a lot of parents, <laughs> a lot of coaches that have no idea what the hell they're doing. And they don't know that they're hurting these athletes. Mm-hmm. But guess what? That isn't that doesn't change the fact that this is a reality. Mm-hmm. So unless and, and I'm not in the business of, you know, teaching parents how to do that. I'm sure there's somebody else out there who that's their focus. I'm in the business of teaching athletes. How do you get yourself to perform regardless of that? How do, how do you actually use that to your advantage? How do you get yourself to take criticism even though they, they're, you know, they're freaking cursing you out, you know, and you're, and you're a 10th grader, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and you're crying. I, I actually witnessed this when I was coaching the JV team at, at the high school I was telling you about. These guys are like co- cursing out 9th and 10th graders, and, they, and they're, these guys are crying, like, you know, young, young right. men crying and, and saying they don't want to play football anymore. And they're, they're literally stealing their passion from them, right? right? But I don't, like I said, that's my, my what, what I focus on is how do you, how do you get these guys to, to get them to hold on to the dream even tighter in a situation like that? How do you deal with a parent who's just overbearing and, you know, criticizes you too much and things? And there are times where I do, I do come in and I do talk to the parents, yeah. right? That's but, a uh, big problem. It is. It yeah. is, man. And, and there's a, dang, I can't remember the guy, but he has a, he has a movement where he's dealing with that, like changing the culture of, of, of sports and stuff. But and I really respect what he's doing. But you, but as a young athlete, you can't control that environment. No, you, you're, yeah. you're you got the coach you got, you got right, the parents you right. got. So it, it becomes about trying to develop uh, strategies around that exactly to like deal with that. Right? Exactly. It's it's all as tell my athletes. The only two things you got to think about is what you want and how to get it. So if what you want is to dominate your sport, if what you want is to reach a particular goal, then you got to be able to see, look at what's happening right now. What's the reality of what's going on, and how are you going to accomplish your goal? Not why can't I do it or what's holding me back. Identify what's holding you back, but let's come up, like you said, with a strategy for how we overcome that. And a lot of it is, man, they, they feel like there's no control, and that's what a lot of athletes have been trained to think like, that there's so much that they can't control. And this is true, but at the end of the day, there's so much that you can control. And when you actually take the time to focus on that, you have more work than you ever, like you'll have so much work to do. Like let's get to work on the things we can control. And that's what I always tell athletes. They start telling me all these. Yeah. The blame game yeah. or being a victim. Like, yeah, exactly. well, it's the coach's fault. And all right. That kind of and stuff, I, which I'm like, I it's, not, it's not yeah. helping you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Like I, I don't, I don't know the, the, the culture of your school or, you know, what's wrong with your coach. But, and that's none of my business. What what my business is, is what what are you thinking about every day? How do you prepare yourself? How do you manage your emotional states? How what Do you have a strategy for how you attack goals? What do you do every day? What are your habits? And these are the things that when you spend your time focusing on that, like I said, you have your hands full right there. So you don't, we don't even have to get to that stuff, you know? So... Yeah. So how does that how does it work when an athlete comes to you? Like, how, what's the first you know what's the process of of kind of getting into it with an athlete? Right. So 
the first thing that I do when I meet when I meet with athletes, and these usually tend to be athletes. The type of athletes that I attract are serious athletes, like the ones who really have. The goals do you work like one on one, or is this like on the internet, or so, how does it? You work in person, like. So I have some clients that I work with in person. Obviously, if you're in my area, but I work with athletes now all over the world through my through an online program. So mm-hmm. it's pretty much just coaching through Skype or telephone, you know. And so we meet like at the most four times a month, and. The first thing that we do with them, that I do with them, is identify what it is that they want, right? And so I never get that the first time I ask. And so I've gotten really good at getting to the root of what they really want. And so so, so when you say, what do you want, like the typical, well, I want to, you know, I want to be, you know, All-American or something like that, right? Right. But, like, but a lot of them don't even feel comfortable saying that. A lot of them start um and on and, and, uh, and you can tell it makes them uncomfortable to say what their goal is, you know, mm-hmm. and um, – I'll just give you an example. Um, there's an athlete that I'm actually going to visit him today. He's down in San Bernardino. And, but when I first met him, his, his goal was to play uh, overseas basketball. And this guy's tall. Like, this guy's built, like, I mean, he's probably like 6'5". Um, and I had never, never even seen him play basketball before. But I school, he, He's a high school athlete. Yes, this uh-huh. was his first year. And it was funny because with the way he said it, and I'm looking, I'm like, I've never heard anyone have their, like, their – their ultimate goal be to play overseas. Now, I know there's a lot of great opportunities overseas, you know, and maybe his goal is to play overseas. But when he said it, I knew that wasn't – that's not what you want. Right, he's like, basically saying, like, I don't think I'm good enough to play in the NBA. Exactly. So the highest that I can shoot for is this. So there's something already baked inside of him that exactly. is telling him that he's not talented enough or whatever it is. Right. right? And usually this comes from external, external outside forces like coaches, parents – People who think they're doing you a favor by telling you, oh, I don't know, I don't think you, you probably focus on doing that. I had people tell me that, you know, like I wouldn't have never made it to the NFL. Because you were, you, you were a walk-on, right, originally yeah. at, Oregon, yeah. at Oregon State? Yep, I was a right. walk-on at Oregon State, and I, they didn't even have a position for me when I got there. Like, they didn't even run fullback plays. Like, they didn't even run that. And so mm-hmm. I never, I was naive enough, I, I say this, uh, <laughs> I was naive enough, which worked in my favor to like I just ignored what people said like I didn't care like I'm like you don't have anything to do with what I'm trying to do so and that's what another thing I tell athletes like I actually encourage athletes sometimes not even to listen to their parents like you know what you want you don't have to get permission from your mom or your dad or your brother or your coach if that is what you want then my goal is to help you get what you want you know if there's if you got some real reasons for going after what you're trying to get and you say you really want it then that's what I'm focused on like I I don't I don't you don't need to listen to anyone else you know but Uh So with this particular athlete, man, like he um, told me he wanted to play overseas, and I'm like, I'm like, you don't want to play overseas. Like, who who says they want to play overseas? Like, you don't, like you don't get. It's not uh-huh. like you get paid a lot over there. You're away from your family. You know, you might get stuck in Russia or something. But if that if that's actually what you want, then tell me why you want that. You know. And so he started to feel a little uncomfortable. You know. But we, as I dug deeper, this guy wants to play in the NBA. <laughs> like, and I'm looking. I'm like. What about you says that you can't play in the NBA? You tell me one thing. What What about you? What do you know about yourself that says you can't do that? You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, I just watched this little video of uh, Steph Curry. Like, and, uh, Steph Curry just won, a, uh, just won an NBA championship, MVP. Mm-hmm. What about this guy says MVP? Nothing about him when he was in college at Davidson, who no one knew what the hell college that was said, yo, this guy's going to be the MVP and he's going to win for the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they've ever won a championship mm-hmm. before. But that was what his goal was. And he reached his goal. So how did that happen? 
And in this this particular video, he's reading the draft profile that people were saying about him. They said, look, he's never going to be a, a, a point guard in the NBA. Uh, he's a good shooter. That's about it. You know, he's he's too small. He's not strong enough, et cetera. And it was incredibly inspiring video. But I'm like, I'm asking this kid, what about it? Like, who told you that you can't do that? You know? Mm-hmm. And he's kind of surprised because you can tell that no one's really ever said that to him before. You know, and no one's ever challenged him in that way because he had it so convinced in his mind that he can play only overseas. Right. And that's how good he was. So, anyway, over the course of this four-day event, I had an event called Flip the Switch, and that's one of the other things I do is is live events with athletes. Um, and he, we got him to really commit to his real goals, what he really wanted, and what this guy wants to play in the NBA, and that's now his goal. You know, and so uh-huh. he's finding that he has more energy, he has <clears throat> more drive, he's taking more action towards his goals because, I mean, just keep it real. If I, like, for my, with my kids, if I tell them I'll give you $5 to do this or I'll give you – a thousand dollars which one are you going to be more excited for which one are you going to work harder for of course the higher goal so it's really important now teaching them how to set high goals and really stay true to who they are so how do you make that transition though because if somebody's hardwired uh you know with a certain belief of who they are the idea of like untangling that web and 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 you know sort of rebooting their system to believe otherwise i mean you know that's that's the work of a shrink or a therapist you know <laughs> right. that's years of analysis you right. know, that's not an easy gig. I mean, that's obviously the heavy lifting. And that's, if you can get that right, then everything else becomes easy because it falls into place because you have vision. Right. Um, But getting somebody to, you know, expand their vision and actually, you know, feel it in their bones as opposed to talking themselves into it when they don't actually believe it. um, You know, what is the process of getting an athlete to that place? And that's a great and that's a great question, because then it becomes a question of how you change the belief. And so one of the main things, and this is what my focus has been. So instead of reading all the you know, all the um, the books about how to teach people how to squat and do X, Y, and Z. I now am learning from Tony Robbins. I'm, I'm reading books on human behavior and how to get people to change what they think about themselves and how to change your, your self-identity. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, people do things either to avoid pain or, or get pleasure, right? And so mm-hmm. even just the idea of first coming up with a vision that's greater than what they had, that's a new that's a new that's something new that's uncomfortable yeah exactly but it's something that drives them it's something that gets them thinking like maybe there can be more but also it's this idea of using pain to motivate you and so a lot of them are associating pain with going after a goal and not getting it so for example this kid like he'll say for me to try to go make it to the NBA and not make it, right, will be a lot of pain for me. So I might just, I might as well just. Right, it's too scary because if you actually really invest yourself completely in that and you don't make it, that right. would be devastating. Exactly, right? and that scares people from even trying. Exactly, because it's easier to say, "Well, yeah, I didn't really try." You know, I didn't really try, so you didn't really risk anything. Right, right, right. But I get them to see it a little differently. So instead of looking at it like that, what if you? I, I paint the picture of what it's going to look like over the course of your life, over the next 10 years, the next five years, you know, the, the next year, if you continue to mute what it is that you really want and not do the things that you know th- that, you, that you really want, right? Mm-hmm. And so in, in sw- like basically <clears throat> associating pain to different things because at the end of the day, like you have a choice. Like you can, you can choose to not go after these goals that you know you really want. And, and limit yourself and go after these smaller goals. But if that becomes a habit of yours, that's something you do continuously over the, the course of your life, that's going to equal a lot of pain for you. And I have, to get, I have to do a good job of getting them to see that. 
And then in the meantime, it's setting up a system for how do you consistently reinforce new beliefs, right? And so one of the ways is just managing your emotional states. And so this is what I've become a student of. This is how I, you know, came upon Tony Robbins' work. I follow a lot of different people when it comes to this and really being able to manage your emotional state. And so I actually have like a, I'm working on it right now. It's called an emotional playbook where it's basically you keep track of all the emotions that you feel throughout the day. And you basically identify what's your recipe, how do you get into these emotions, and then identifying, you know, what actions do you usually take when you're feeling this way, mm-hmm. you know? And so we all have these, you know? And mm-hmm. I've actually, when I first started doing this myself, what I found it was crazy, I had a list. So I, I always say there's only two types of emotions, ones that help you and ones that hurt you, right? And so on one side, the negative ones, I had about, I mean, it was a long list. And then on the right side, I had about like five or six you know, and I'm a pretty positive guy. You, you ask anyone who knows me, I'm not, I'm not a guy who's depressed all the time. But these negative emotions, and they don't show, they don't always show up in like the form of like pure depression. I'm talking about mildly frustrated. You know, uh, being annoyed, feeling a, just a little, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, feeling a little bit doubtful, the feeling of being unsure. These are all emotions that plague everyone. And if you don't come up with a way of how you get yourself to a new, more empowering emotion, because I always like what. Beliefs, how you believe, what you believe about yourself leads to how you feel. Your emotions always determine the quality or uh, quantity of action that you take, whether or not you do it or not. And then, of course, actions is what's responsible for our results. And so, mm-hmm. if you want to change your results, you have to be able to have a recipe, a playbook for how do you change your emotions. And this is what I work really heavily with athletes on, and, and it's it's actually really fun to because a lot of athletes you see, like, that I meet, you can just tell they're used to being in a certain emotional state you know and so one of the things that um i grew up a third of four boys i was always the shy one that's what they told me i was the shy. that's one. hard to believe <laughs> hey so <laughs> I, I i was the shy one and i was quiet you know mm-hmm. and i really believed this about myself i was quiet and you know i was awkward around girls and things had only a few friends and things like that and as i'm you know growing up grown up now and, and you know it's actually since i've been out the league and i started working with these athletes and what i've learned through them about myself is that like, yo, I'm not quiet, man. I'm not shy. I'm not shy. That's not who I am. The only reason why I was shy or quiet is because I was feeling certain ways, right? And so if I can change how I feel, like I actually can get myself like to do it. Like you felt like you didn't deserve to have a voice or something. Right, right, right. Just quiet. And I felt like, yeah, exactly. Like I felt like no one really cared what I said or, you know, it wasn't worth hearing. Um, I felt like being in front of people like being judged by people was something that scared me a lot that's what anxiety that you get from being in front of large crowds Mm -hmm. and now i'm you know talking to to thousands millions of people through different different avenues um stretching myself in such a way where actually like i enjoy it you know Mm -hmm. and so i'm like this is whatever you thought about yourself is not real you know like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and that's one of the things i i I take it's it's a really fun to get an athlete to see to get to access a different side of them that they didn't even know was there i feel like a lot of people i mean and everything you're saying is applicable far beyond you know the football field right this is these are things that are these are life you know tools for whatever you're doing whether you're a businessman or a parent or a teacher or a firefighter exactly these are these are uh you know, lessons and resources to, you know, unlock, uh, you know, to, to to coin the theme of the podcast, you know, the more authentic version of yourself that is resting, you know, below the surface. Exactly. You got to find a way to tap into it. But I feel like a lot of people like you had to in the in the context or the example of the athlete that you just mentioned, who who said initially that he wanted to play basketball overseas. 
Um, and then you were able to identify that, no, he really wants to play in the NBA. I feel like a lot of people, they're not even in touch with themselves enough to even know what it is that they want. Right. You know, maybe with a high school athlete who's playing a sport who's excelling, like they're, they have a more crystallized vision of where they want mm-hmm. to take that. But I think in general, you know, athletes, non-athletes are kind of more, um, they're, they're, they're playing defense in life and they're being reactive to their circumstances around them rather than sort of proactively, you know, taking the steps to, you know, to to pursue and achieve a goal or to create the vision necessary to then, you know, construct a roadmap that's going to get them where they want to go in their life. So do you ever have athletes where you don't even know what they, they don't even know what they want and you have to like construct that for them absolutely partnership with them or absolutely that's i mean that honestly i'd say about 50 to 60 percent of the time that's what what is usually happening you know and so that's where my skill comes in that's that's where i have to excel and so just having rapport with an athlete and so i believe in like the the athletes that i work with like they they are not my quote-unquote clients or like these are a part of my I look at a lot of them like they're my little brothers and sisters you know what I mean and so Mm -hmm. I want to develop like a friendship with them to where they feel comfortable telling me what it is that they want because a lot of times it's not that they don't know it's like you really know because everyone thinks about things when they go to sleep at night you know everyone has these fantasies everyone has a a pretty much like if I say I always say if I put a gun to your head and told you and said what do you want what would you say you know or if you did know what you want what would you want you know, like, let's let's imagine that you did know. What would you want? And then they go, well, well I guess it would be cool to do. Okay. It would be cool to is, is code for it. That's what I really want. You know, and so it, it it's definitely a little probing involved, you know, and I have to get good with the type of questions that I ask and, and, and how I frame it for each athlete because that's another thing that I've, I've learned, you know, through experience is that not every athlete responds to the same type of things. Uh-huh. So um, this was something that was kind of frustrating in the beginning of my career. Um just working with athletes and stuff, but it's like, you know, instead of getting frustrated, I need to step my game up. So instead of only being able to reach one type of athlete, I need to, you know, expand my, you know, arsenal of skills and my ability to, to develop rapport with these athletes to where, you know, I can say, okay, this is the type of athlete that doesn't really respond well to consequences and things. They're more driven by, you know, a higher vision and something that's exciting to them. Some athletes like, like you, you tell them the consequences. They're like, then they, then they start, you know, then they start to get that, that fire. But, it's a balance, man, and so this is – it definitely comes with some probing, you know. Right. So so if you can lock in on, on that goal or that vision, right, it's like putting a key in a lock and suddenly it turns, and then you can kind of create the roadmap to get that athlete from wherever they are to, you know, on a trajectory towards their goal. Mm-hmm. But what are – what are you know, what, is that road, what does that road look like in terms of the practical day-in, day-out kind yes. of tools and work that, that goes into – um, the coaching that you do with the athletes. Right. So obviously it depends on each athlete and what their sport <clears> is, but I'll just give you sort of an outline of, of some of the, the habits and systems that we implement. And so first off, we got they have to learn how to set goals. So how to, how to be able to set shorter term and longer term goals and identify how to manage their time. And so I have a, a system called the blueprint where it's a system for breaking down your goals from a three month, all the way to a one month and then on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So every day these guys are journaling and evaluating themselves morning and night. And so they're identifying what are the top actions that they need to take on a daily basis. And then at nighttime they're identifying, did I do them? And if I didn't, why not? What do I need to do in order to be more aggressive and reaching towards my goals the next day, et cetera. And then it's the habit. So there's a system called target practice, which uh, I would like to share share with the audience as well. And I have, I've, I've created a little PDF for them and things like that. But it's a very uh, – simple 
uh, routine where it's like identifying what are the four to five things that, that if you did every day would make a huge difference long term. So let's take the example of a, I'll give you an example of a younger athlete. Like these guys, a lot of them say they want to reach a higher level goal, but they can't even do like 10 pushups, right? Mm-hmm. So like, wouldn't it be nice if you could, you know, if you were flexible enough to touch your toes, wouldn't it be nice if you actually could hold your own in the weight room and do a pull up, you know? And so identifying what are these, the, the simple things that you got to do every day that are going to make a bigger difference long term. And that, that, that's different for every athlete, but every athlete, I don't care who it is, has a handful of things that they need to do every single day. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you talk to the high-level guys, they're shooting shots every day. So this, this guy who, uh, who plays ball in San Bernardino, he's shooting 1,000 shots a day, you know, without fail. This is what you – this is – forget everything else. What are you doing every day? And so it's like looking at and analyzing each day as it relates to these higher goals. And, and the blueprint is a system I have for that and also – uh, a workout record journal where keeping track of everything that you do, keeping track of all the reps and sets that you do, um, noticing trends, you know, keeping track of your emotions as well. I'm working on what I call the emotional playbook right now, which is what I told you about, mm-hmm. keeping track of all the emotions, having a recipe for how you get in in and out of emotions. Uh, it's a system I call prime time, which is like a, a routine that you do in order to get yourself to feel the confidence that you need to feel before workouts, before training, before games, et cetera meditating, visualizing, like I create custom visualization tracks for, for the athletes that I work with so they can use that on a daily basis, teaching them how to be able to relax their body and actually systematically visualize something I never learned that I learned after I played ball that um, just me sitting here in front of you right now is was a part of my vision, uh-huh. right? And so <laughs> well, you're here, uh, man. I'm here. Yeah. And so it's, it's incredible the power of visualization, but I never learned it. I never learned how to do it. You know, and so this is what I'm teaching these athletes how to do. And so that should give you like sort of an idea of the things that we do on a daily basis, you know. Right, right, right. And I think a big part of it that gets overlooked in this equation is just putting in the work, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to actually do it. You right. know, there's so many self-help books out there and a lot of them are great. And, the, you know, the best ones will have practical tools for you to then use and i feel like people read them and maybe they're momentarily inspired but then they don't actually avail themselves of actually doing the work or putting into motion you know actually implementing those tools right right and so i mean do you find with like you know the the kids that you're working with high school kids i mean these are millennials right like Mm -hmm. their faces are probably you know in front of screens all day it's a different you know i'm a lot older than you but like it's a different age man and there's there's a lot of great things I think about the millennial generation, but but some of the stereotypes are, are true. There's like right. a, sort of a level of entitlement in the sense that like, yeah, you know, I can just I can just be me, man. The world's yeah. going to reward you for that. You yep. know what I mean? And and that's informed by you know advertising and you know all these kind of all the messaging that's kind of out there uh, that that is that is sort of informing these kids that like, hey man, the way you're doing it is great. Like you don't need to learn from anybody because you're you and all right, that kind of right. stuff, right? So. So a lot of I would imagine you're you got to do some counter programming to go like, no, man, are you going to be the first guy in the gym in the morning and the last guy to leave? And, you know, you really want to achieve your goal. Like there's no hack around that. Like, exactly. You got to show up. Yep. Yep. And that's a that's a huge part. And so, again, that's where I I have to do my job of being able to relate to a younger athlete. And so that means I can't always give them Michael Jordan references, you know, like mm-hmm. I have to be able to talk to the, relate to them about athletes that inspire them now. And so just showing them what it actually looks like to reach a goal. Like, so the very fact that I did what they're, most of them are trying to do, 
uh, gives me an edge in being able to relate to them. <clears throat> so when they break down, and so there's another. But you're thing. more accessible than 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 a Michael Jordan because right, right. you actually had some struggles in it. Exactly. It didn't go exactly. I mean, it's like <laughs> yep. if you could revision that, you know, you'd probably still be playing, right? Exactly. So you had, you know, you basically can relate in a very human way what went wrong for you and how you would have done things differently. And exactly. I think that allows those kids to kind of emotionally tap into you and connect with you in yep. probably a more real way. Definitely, definitely, man. And, and even just one of the things I do also, like when I first meet with them, is have them tell me what is it that you do on a day-to-day, like give me the average week. And so I make them tell me everything, right? Mm-hmm. And to look at what they actually do and be able to describe to them in detail what it's actually going to look like. In a way that doesn't scare them away, but you know, obviously, it's not like it's it's not going to be easy. But in a way that actually is enticing, and they start to fall in love with the process of being great, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it is a process and it's a never-ending process. And one of the things, and that, you got to love the process because right. it's too much work. Exactly. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't love it, you know, day in and day out, and that doesn't mean you always love it or you love waking up at five in the morning or anything like that. But overall you got to really be able to embrace it because it's a long road. Exactly. No matter what your goal is. Right. And that's why these uh, one of the things that they do in their blueprint on a daily basis is keep track of wins. And so I tell them, like, you got to be ruthless about, like, you have to collect wins, small wins, big wins. I don't care what they are. Even if it's like you woke up this morning without pressing snooze, you got to collect that, man, because it becomes so easy and so tempting to get down on yourself. You know, and this is this is something that happens with me personally in my own life today and that I see a lot with younger athletes. These guys are, I mean, like, a particular uh, a football player that I work with, man, this guy is, like, a beast, you know, and he's, like, a man amongst boys out there, and he's got so much talent, um, but he's so down on himself all the time. Like, every time I talk to him, it's like, it's something's not going right, and, man, I got, no, I just got to get better. And I, I'm like, yeah, you got to get better, you know, and, and you will get better, but look at how far you've come. Like, why can't we have a balance there? Like, uh, keeping track of all the things that are going well so as to lift yourself up and feel good about yourself knowing Mm -hmm. that you you love who you are as an athlete and where you are today but also have this goal that you're reaching after and get and 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 still be relentless about you know going after on a daily basis and this is a hard this is a hard balance to find you know i think when you find that balance you're pretty much like living man like yeah i think uh that's a very common thing with athletes i think and uh, you know i've talked about this before but it's about learning how to train where you're at not where you think you should be or where you right. want to be yeah, because yeah. if you're if you have a goal of being like you know at a certain level and you're not there yet and you show up for practice or your training session and and you're not performing at the level of you know where you want to be yeah, then yeah. you get down on yourself exactly. right? but it's like you got to accept where you're at right now right because you're not going to get to that place you want to get to until you can kind of embrace and just accept where you're at you exactly. know, as, a, as a basis point for then building upon that right. and getting better, you know, because so, then you're just going to be down on yourself all the time. Right. And you're actually moving yourself away from your goal. Exactly. And that's it's it's hard to hear, man. I, that's that's the type of thing that that made me and still sometimes makes me frustrated here. Like, ah, like, I just want this goal so bad. Like, can I just like but not it's it's, it's about. Once you get the goal, like if you got a championship, like let's take a, a, a NFL athlete, right? If you gave them a Super Bowl championship in the beginning of the season, that would be virtually useless to them. 
there's a reason why at the end of the season you see them like grown men shedding tears, you know, <laughs> like falling to the ground on their knees when they have this trophy. It's not the trophy. It's what they had to go through in order right. to get that trophy. They're thinking about week six, you know, when they lost to that team they shouldn't have lost to and how frustrated they were. They're thinking about that injury that's been plaguing them all season and they had to push themselves and get in the weight room every single day and go ice tub, you know, for 30 minutes after practice, you know, and, and all that time away from their family and all the sacrifice that yeah, they put in. Yeah, it's the journey that gives it meaning. Right. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's meaningless, right? Right, right. So <clears throat> when you were, you know, look, when you were playing in the NFL and you're playing with guys like Drew Brees, I mean, what, what are the, you know, what did you observe? Like, what are the, the consistent, um, you know, habits and kind of practices of, you know, the best guys out there that right. you were able to kind of notice were consistent across mm-hmm. the board? That's a great question. And, like, so first, one of the illusions that I had when I first got to the NFL is that, because all these guys are in the NFL, I'm, like, certain that they're all just the hardest workers. They're just first ones in, last ones out. It's not the case at uh-huh. all, man. Like, not the case <laughs> at all. And so you'll see guys with uh-huh. really big-time talent that were drafted high and do not work, skip workouts. You know, will go in there and just sort of BS and hang around and, you know, eat terrible. I mean, there's right. a particular athlete, I won't say his name, that, you know, high-profile guy. And he, I mean, stacks of pancakes and bacon and right. just – Eating horribly. I had John Sally on the show, and he was telling he was telling me similar stories about his <laughs> yeah. time in the NBA, and then David Carter also, who who's played on a couple teams in the NFL. Yeah, same, same exactly. deal. Yeah. yeah, these guys are the they are el- the elite of the elite, yeah. right? And it's like I forget exactly how John Sally put it, but it's like you're you're putting like dirt in your Lamborghini. Man. Right, you're a pro athlete. You can't af- you you are at a, at a level where it's not okay to eat like everyone else. Right, exactly, you know? man. It, and these are I, – I thought, like, of course, this you know, when I get to this next level, these are guys doing. But take a guy like Drew Brees, always the first one there. And, like, literally his car is the first one there. He's watching film before we watch film, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, always the last one to leave, you know. Um, the guy has his own – his diet and, and the way that he eats is very meticulous. He has his, his meals prepared and things like that. Um, I always remember this vividly. When I was a rookie free agent and all the rookies were there working out, and the guys – the, all the older guys and veterans didn't have to be there. Drew Brees would show up in the mornings with us, working out with us. Mm-hmm. These guys who are free agents, who he knew most ninety nine percent of us weren't yeah, going to be there. Around, yeah. But he's there, motivating us, throwing us balls, you know, running with us, working out with us, and uh, just a leader in every sense of the word. Um, another thing, after practice, like when we have long two a days, and everyone is eager to get off the field and go relax for that one to two hours before we have another practice. He's still on the field, mm-hmm. and he's in the weight room doing those exercises that every that is that are so annoying, like all these little rehab exercises. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was just committed and so engaged at every step of the process, right? So on a week to week basis, there's a there's a sort of flow to an NFL week, and I was just so inspired by his commitment and his energy levels at every step. Mm-hmm. So. It would make sense if, you know, on Tuesdays, like, man, tired, you know. And, right. You know, but always high energy, always in the um, in the, uh, the uh, what we, uh, rehab room, right? Mm-hmm. Like always in a, in a training room with high energy, always positive. And, uh, but he, he commanded he – he didn't really have a problem getting on guys, you know. And, and, but, and I felt like he had a really good balance of commanding respect. And Sean Payton was the same way. And obviously, at that time where he cursed me out, but I mean, the guy, the guy was really, really engaged with his with his players and earned the respect to where he didn't really have to do that all the time, you know. And uh, guys just respected him, and that's how it was with Drew Brees. And there, there are other other guys around at the same time. Jonathan Vilma was another one. Um, 
I remember Reggie Bush, man, this guy would, you know, during two a days, he'd be squatting 500 plus in between practices, you know? And wow. uh, I have athletes that I work with now, and they're like, yo, uh, you know, I worked so hard in the season. Like, I'm just, you know, trying to maintain. I'm like, no, do you, like, you need to continue to lift heavy during the season. It's hard to do that. Like, I remember Sunday, or Sunday we have games. Monday Mondays after games were, like, the hardest workouts, you know? Right. And I'm like, okay, this is why these guys are in such great shape and can endure the, the NFL seasons. Right, know? right, right. We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really want to do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense, and you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down, and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears? That would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called Brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment. So that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fair trade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic fair trade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. 
We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health from fermented food, to fiber and everything in between, including of course the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code RICHROLL25. What are some of the other misconceptions about what, you know, life in the NFL is like? Because, you know, as an, Americans, we project, like, this idea of what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, like watching ballers on HBO, right, right, right. and you just think, like, it's all partying and, yep. like, you know, champagne. <laughs> right. And then, you know, the excitement of the games. But what is, like, a typical day actually like? Right. So uh, I think one misconception they have is is how much money you make. And so mm-hmm. there's a certain class of guy who's making a lot of money, right? Like, you guys are getting millions. But when you when you get out of those bigger contracts and you got these guys that are just journeymen and which are, like, I want to say about 80% of each roster is guys that have just been around and just, you know, solid, you know, role players – there's no security, and this mm-hmm. is the NFL. I can't speak for all the other leagues, but it's uh, you're not. It's number one. It's expensive to be a pro athlete. At least, it, like it's expensive. So in what tra- in what way? So you're traveling. Like just I look it back at my lifestyle at that particular time, traveling back and forth all the time. You know, living in different places. Um, just no real steadiness. Like there's always just. Uh, it just seems like money just goes really and then of course you got people (laughs) asking for money and stuff yeah because well because overnight literally you go from you know basically having no money to having the more money than even if you're at the lowest level it's more money than you've ever had you know in your wildest dreams right and so the temp there's the temptation there to just start you know throwing it around exactly without thinking about the fact that you can get cut next week and it's all over exactly and i had sort of like the reverse problem like i actually was I had so much anxiety, especially in my second year of being let go, that like I was holding on to my money and I was not investing it when I probably should have and things like that, which ended up coming back to bite me. But there's um, I think there's there's that lifestyle that people have in terms of like the party lifestyle. That's definitely there. And you can you can make of it whatever you want, pretty much like if you want to find that stuff, it's pretty easy, you know, and if you want to keep to yourself, like there are a smaller group of guys who who are there and you know got it going on in terms of staying focused and there's family guys there's pretty much just like a a whole just myriad of personalities right every and, kind of guy and it's it's really unique you know and uh-huh. uh i was only on the saints so i can't speak for a bunch of other teams but we had a good chemistry there you know but i can definitely see how you know the wrong mixture of guys man can make for a very 
troublesome locker room. You know? Right, right, right. Because, I mean, we're talking about big egos, man, and just all different type of cultural backgrounds and religious backgrounds and political backgrounds. Right. Um, so, yeah. And everybody kind of, you know, competitive for their job, too. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, what, is it like, I mean, is there a team unity where there's a like a collective kind of, you know, esprit de corps? Or is it kind of like, hey, man, this is my job. Like, don't get right. too close, right? Like right. Like a kind of a zero-sum game yes. attitude? There definitely is that. And so when I, when I was with the Saints, they that was, the second year they, they won the Super Bowl that year. Right. And that was a very, very unique collection of guys. But even then... I mean, I remember when I was a rookie free agent and I was in camp, that fullback that was in front of me, he was probably like a, you know, eight-year guy or something like that. Uh, he didn't like me at all. He uh-huh. didn't make it easy for me at all. Right, you know, right. like he wasn't. Yeah, you're a threat to his yeah, job. he wasn't helping me out. He wasn't, you know, trying to take me under his wing. But then you got guys like Deuce McAllister, who was a running back there when I was uh, when I was there and a beloved, beloved guy in, in New Orleans. Um, and he was, he was awesome, man. Like he would – he was showing us everything, you know, and, and, and really easygoing guy and would help us out in pretty much any way. And this was interesting for a guy who, you know, it seems like it would be the opposite, you know. And, right. You know, but he was he was a cool guy. So, like I said, it's really just like a a unique collection of guys, man. And you you have to be really careful about um, who you you're with because it's so easy. As I, I was I came from a really strong family, you know, a pretty strong identity, you know, um, but it's really easy to get influenced by just that get pulled culture. In the, pulled in the wrong direction. Yeah. Suddenly, you know, you got an entourage of people, right? And right. You're giving them all money <laughs> yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah, peer pressure, man. It's like it's yeah. it's real, man. And so I remember walking. What into, is it? The percentage? I don't know what the percentage is offhand, but I know it's insanely high of of former NFL players that that file bankruptcy, oh, and go yeah. broke, and you know just lose all their money, and you know it's That's, it's like a crazy yeah. epidemic. And it's it, one of the reasons why is because of how. So when I got there, it's like. I came from college, you know, barely have any money. And I remember I rented a car, right? And I would rent a car, and uh, they would give me, like, Dodge Chargers, which were cool, right? But then one time I went back, they didn't have any Dodge Chargers, and they only had minivans, you know? <laughs> so uh-huh. I got a minivan, and I didn't think anything of it. I was cool, right? And so I got in, I rolled in, and everyone was, like, just roasting <laughs> me, dude. Like, they were making fun of me so bad. And I didn't, and I was actually, like, starting to feel a little, like, awkward about it and i didn't right. that's not something i would think i would be insecure about you know mm-hmm. and this pressure to like live up to a certain standard because everyone thinks that you should be that standard so right even, like you gotta you gotta like fly your flag like right. you're in the nfl yeah. like, so that what comes with there's all sorts of crazy baggage that comes with that right. about how you're supposed to live yep and i'm gonna share with you another story man it was crazy like i've always been a, a watch guy i really like watches and so I was making a lot of money, you know, first year in the NFL, and I'm like, man, I want to get a watch. I want to get a nice watch, like diamonds, all of that, right? And so, uh, <laughs> and so uh, there's there's a guy on the team, he's a lineman, and he had a good connection with, with one of the jewelers. And so I call him up, and, you know, he's this fast-talking Arabian guy. He's like, yeah, man, I'll get you whatever you need. And I, I, I like, didn't even know where to start and how much things would cost. And they actually weren't as expensive as I thought. Like, they were, you know, I wasn't getting the high-end ones, like 2000 to $3,000 watches, right, mm-hmm. with some diamonds in it and stuff. And so he decides to send me, you know, six watches. Like, like he said, I'm gonna send you a bunch of watches, and you could try them out, you know, and send them back when you when you when you're done, and let me know which one you like. So I'm like, hell excited, and I get all the watches, and they're in this like this nice little glass case, and I'm just like, open it up, and it's just diamonds everywhere. I'm just like, this is so cool, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm like sampling these watches, and 
one day I remember it was it was a day that it was snowing in New Orleans, which is extremely rare. But like right. I, I went out to breakfast one morning and I came back, and the apartment I was staying at there was um, the I, I walked in and my door just opened, you know, and I'm looking and I look and my TV's gone, right? And so I'm thinking, did I forget to pay my rental bill or something? Like did they just come and take my TV? That's my mm-hmm. first thought. Mm-hmm. And so my TV is gone. I walk in the other bedroom, and my other TV has gone. And then I look uh, underneath the uh, the nightstand, and all the watches are gone, oh. dude. All six of these oh, watches. Man. And um, I remember they took everything. They took some <laughs> shoes, jeans, and just – so I got robbed. You know what I mean? Wow. And, um it was like the worst feeling ever. So I had to pay. I had to pay for all those watches, oh dude. <laughs> like I had to pay for six watches, oh and I didn't even get a watch. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pay for all six of those watches. So it was funny, just because that's like I, I, I had always wanted watches, and I can't say I was, you know, fell all the way into that keep up with the Joneses. But I, I was really excited to get them diamond watches, uh-huh. man. You know, and uh, well, it's that's kind of an interesting thing. Like here, maybe there's a lesson in there. Yeah, you know, like. God's like, yeah, yeah I maybe. Don't think, I don't think you should be going down that road. Exactly. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. going to snatch this away from you was, before this gets too crazy. Exactly, because <laughs> there's a good chance I might have started getting chains and <laughs> yeah. big-ass earrings and stuff. But, yeah, that was crazy, man. Uh-huh. So so what is that like when, you know, your whole life is kind of hyper-focused on, on you know, being this guy in the NFL, and then all of a sudden it's over? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's humbling, man, and it's tough. And so – I've always played I played football since I was like seventh grade, but again I never felt like I was one of those guys who football was my life. You know, like mm-hmm. I really loved football. But when it was taken from me, it was I was one of those guys and I realized how much of my identity football was, you know, uh, Right. And it wasn't taken <clears throat> it wasn't taken from you on your terms. It wasn't right. your decision exactly. like, Okay, I'm done, I'm ready to retire. It was pulled out from underneath you. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. And it was it was like uh, I was depressed, you know, like legit. And I didn't know it at the time. I'm depressed, so I don't know what exactly it means. But I was just extremely down. How could you and, not be? You right. Know, I think I, – I don't think we talk enough about that, like the idea of, you know, a professional athlete having to transition into right. civilian life. <laughs> Definitely, you know? man. Yeah. I mean, there's the rare exceptions of guys that have – you know, crazy interests out, you know, off the field who know, you know, post career, they're going to be doing something else. But yeah. I think those guys are the exception. Yeah, definitely. Especially. And if you don't have a bunch of money, like if you didn't, right. I didn't amass like a fortune, you know, while I was there for two years, like it's not, it's not a lot, you know? And so just not knowing what to do. And then having this idea that you just were working at the job of your dreams pretty much. And then now you mm-hmm. have to there's some resistance to even getting a job that you don't like at all, but you almost have to, and I had to. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about vision and goals and all that kind of stuff, and when your goal is to play in the NFL, yeah. like, there's no room for any other goal. Right, exactly. You know? So <laughs> when that goal's over, and then suddenly you gotta, you're forced with the prospect of coming up with another goal where you've never even really spent any time thinking about that at all. Right. Because you can't because right. you're trying to make sure that you stay on the team and you got to focus on what's in front of you to do. Exactly. Exactly. And and then you're just you're just faced with all of your 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 weaknesses, your insecurities and that's what I went through for that that 3 years. I was working at a factory job that I like hated that I, I just it was funny I was working at it just just for a short period of time I thought. And I remember um my son's mom's dad at the time like my son's mom uh who i was with uh for a while like when i was in new orleans his dad told me or her dad told me when i i um 
when I started working at a job, like, be careful when you work at a job like that because you could find yourself, like, stuck there for a while. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, I'll be there for, like, a couple months, you know. just And I was there for two and a half years, mm-hmm. you know. And um, just just In New Orleans low or energy. did you go back no, to no, this Portland? No, no, this is back to Portland. Uh-huh. This is back to Portland. And just low energy, not really sure what I was doing. Like, every, I was just sort of dabbling in things and very, very indecisive, not sure, you know. And, um, but... Ultimately, that got me to a point where I was like, all right, that's enough is enough, you know, and that's when I decided I was going to become a firefighter. It was around the time I started, you know, doing uh, or started omniu.com and started working with athletes in that way. Mm-hmm. And and um, I started applying these new things that I was learning through a mentor of mine, the power of visualization. I, mean, I, I, I became a firefighter in six months, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't have any 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 experience whatsoever, you know, and this is a job that's actually statistically harder to get than, you know, to, it's harder to be a firefighter than it is to be a professional athlete statistically. I didn't man. know that. Like, really? It's, it's incredibly competitive, and because guys are are in the job for so long, there's just not a lot of turnover. So it's like you got to get in at the right time. And so it, wor- it, it worked out well. And I've just – since then, it's like I've just constantly been learning and evolving and just sort of expanding, you know, my vision, you know, to where, like – it's so funny, like, when you think you have a big vision and then you meet someone else, you know, and you, you you get exposed to a new group of people. You read a different book and you're like, wow, there's, like, so much more. You mm-hmm. know, there's so much more. And so I've kind of fallen in love with, with that with that part of life. So where does the idea to start coaching come in? Like, is that – did that – is that – that's more recent, right? Like, did right. you Because, I mean, you know, at some point you became, like, this kind of evangelist of, of you know, being an online person, right? Right, like, right. Which is very different from firefighting and Definitely. being in the NFL, right? Like, like getting involved with, you know, communicating online with right. people. So, I mean, were you reading, like, how did that come up for you? Yeah, so when I first started coaching, I had no, I had no idea of podcasts and online blogs and any of that. I just I just wanted to start coaching athletes and I didn't know any squad about business. Right. So and, you're just like at the at a high school near where you live or something like right, that. Right. I was at a gym that I developed a relationship with a guy who has a gym's pace there in Portland, Oregon. And a guy there who was training me, his name's David McHenry, he he was training me and then he opened up his gym to me and started training. And I actually didn't even want to be a coach, but athletes there were seeing what I was doing and like, yo, could I work with you? And I started doing that. And I was doing that under a different name than I'm not you dot com. I'm not you.com came when I started reading a lot of I started reading books and I started expanding my vision. I was like, I didn't even know that this stuff was possible, that you can make a you can make like real money doing this. You can you can. And I and I love doing this, you know. And so what books were you reading? So first was Entrepreneur on Fire is the podcast that mm-hmm. I started. That I, uh, that John I, Lee Dumas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. Through through his podcast, I was literally like following everyone who he interviewed. So I would like buy the books that they recommend. Uh, I remember I first I, the first book that really started everything was Law of Attraction. That was the book mm-hmm. that my mentor recommended to me. And then um, just just kept reading, kept expanding. Like Fiftieth uh, Law was another book that I read. And then I got a hold of Ramit Sethi, who's mm-hmm. a guy who's killing it online. And he I bought his course Zero to Launch, where it taught me how to you know launch an online product. And that was from there it was really just like then the momentum was going. Now I'm now I'm reading everything I can get my hands on, you know, fo- listening to all type of podcasts. And um then I was like, yo, I'm not limited to working with athletes here in Portland. I, I can work with I can come up with online products, I can package my information in such a way where I can reach athletes in Africa and Australia, wherever, you know, and, and then I got this idea to start coaching online, which uh, not a lot of people are doing, especially to the the athletes that I'm targeting and mm-hmm. they're not, not doing the things that I'm doing, there's there's like sports psychologists and things like that, but I feel like they're not really 
they're not really solving any real it's like you're not getting to the root of it you know you're not getting these people what they actually want you know like uh no one wants to be diagnosed and labeled you know and you know whatever these guys are doing and so that's how I really started, man. And I started I'm not you.com just What does that early. mean? Like why I'm not you? <laughs> right. So it was funny, man. I was trying to figure out what how I could convey this emotion that I had to uh in in a name, you know, and I was and there's a song called I'm Not You that I used to love, that I still love. It's by Clips. It's a rap song. I'm a big hip hop guy. Mm-hmm. Like I love hip hop, man. And so and in this song he's talking about, he's like you know, these guys are, like, talking about dealing drugs and things like that. But in this particular song, he's like, a lot of you guys are talking about what it is that you want to do, but, like, you don't really live it. You know, like, he's like, I'm not you. Like, don't get me confused with you. Like, I'm mm-hmm. actually the type of guy who's in the trenches, like, who who, who will do what it takes, you know. And so I've, I've related to that so much because since I was younger, I always felt like I was that type of guy. Like, everyone you know, used to talk about going to the NFL and doing this. And these guys were, like, better than me, like, had more talent. But I was actually the one that was willing to do what it took. Like, I wasn't the one who was scared. I was the one that, you know, like, sort of was inspired by people telling me I couldn't do it and would ignore that and would listen to what it is that I wanted and go after what I wanted. And I was like, that's the mindset. Like, I'm not you. Like, you have to have that type of mindset that when you hear that this, you know, if you want to start a restaurant, you know, who would start a restaurant now? Like, the the statistics, right? Right. But there's someone that that's starting a restaurant like right now, and it's gonna kill. It's gonna it's gonna like be a freaking hit, right? Because they have that mindset. I'm not you. Of course, there's the statistics on restaurants. It's like they right. they drop within they you know yeah they all fail. Same thing with business. I mean, you can look at online businesses as well. Even I'm sure there there are gonna be some statistics coming out on that. But are you gonna be the guy who listens to that and says, oh well, I guess I can't do an online business or I guess I can't go to the NFL. I, I busted my wrist up, you know, my last year in in, in uh, Port, at Portland State, and I had a bunch of scouts looking at me, and I had my friend, my close friends, telling me like, "Yo, like you probably shouldn't waste your time, like you know, like right." And you showed up at the combine with a broken wrist, right? So just before I had my cast taken off, but I couldn't do the bench press. I had my wrist looked like a chicken bone, you like it was so small, you know. But during that time. I trained my ass off and I squatted like four days a week. I did everything that I could do other than, mm-hmm. you know, something, things having to do with my wrist. And I was prepared and I ran, you know, faster than any fullback there. I jumped high, you know what I'm saying? And I ran fast and I caught the ball. And so I didn't do the bench press, which is the only thing that I was really limited on. But it's like you have to have the mindset that I'm willing to do what you're not. Like it, that might that might deter you, but not me. You know, and so I feel like that's that's the mindset you have. That's the mindset anyone who has the success is like, okay, that's fine, but I'm not I'm not you. I'm not part of the ninety eight percent. I'm part of the two percent. But when you're working with athletes, I mean that that's self generated. Like you wanted it, right? Right. That, that fire is burning inside of you. But you you can't. I mean, you can kind of light a spark for somebody, but they got to generate their own fire. You exactly. Know what I mean? So you can coach all day long if you want with these people, but if they don't if they don't want it, you know, right. they're not going to do the work or. It's just not going to happen, right? And and that's that's what that's what I'm interested in doing is showing a young athlete how you can spark that fire, how you can cultivate that desire to be so strong that you're willing to do anything it takes to reach a goal. And that's the challenge that I love. I love taking an athlete who's like sort of just like lackluster and you know lazy. I love it when I meet an athlete and their parents tell me that they're lazy and that they don't work that hard and that they 
you know, you know, half-ass it all the time. Like, I like that. That's a good challenge for me because mm-hmm. I know that's not really who they are. They just haven't found a, their purpose yet. They haven't found a big enough reason, a big enough, you know, desire underneath that goal to, like, really light it, you know. And, and that's what that's what drives me, you know. And that's why it was so, it's so incredible going to that Tony Robbins uh, convention because I'm like, he just did that for, like, 10,000 people, dude. Like, this place mm-hmm. was on fire. He did that. Like, he... He found he helped us find something in each one of us. Like he, he didn't do it, right? But he helped us. He guided us to that point because he's not going to be the reason why people change. It's you who are going to have to change, right. but he can be the catalyst for that. He can spark the the fire in you or or help you to that one key distinction or just that one thing that can get you going, man. And that that really drives me. But the difference is, I mean, with Tony Robbins, he can he can ignite that spark, he can inspire you, but he's not going to be following up with you right, exactly. six months later to see right. where you're at. You know what I mean? That's on that's on you. So, um, you know, one of the things that I always talk about and that I'm interested in is is bridging that gap that exists between inspiration and action. Yes. Right? And I think, you know, you can be inspired, but inspiration wanes pretty quickly. Exactly. Like if you, you, so you just had this amazing experience with Tony Robbins, right? But if you don't do anything a week from now, that, that memory starts to fade pretty quick. Exactly. You know? So, it's you got to jump on it and start taking actions that create momentum right exactly and over time those little actions that you take i feel like people want results so quickly yeah and they don't want to do the little thing like you're talking about drew Brees, like in the rehab room doing the annoying little exercises that no one wants to do and when you're doing that you're like what does this have to do with me being an elite performer like i don't feel like i'm doing anything i don't really need to do this without realizing that it's that commitment to those little things on a daily basis, that like constant pressure to the details yep. that actually is the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and a lot of it boils down to like where I can see you fitting in is, is being, you know, being somebody who can stand as a, as a person who can hold people accountable, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's checking in and they know, like if they don't, you know, tell you what's going on that you know right you know what i mean yep accountability is huge and then self-accountability and so that's why ruthless self-evaluation that's what i call it it's like it's something that i teach athletes how to do how to evaluate yourselves and actually enjoy it and so that's why the daily habits and the systems is so important like you said it's so easy to get inspired and motivated and that's not that's that's part of what i do but that's just a that's a small part and that's one of the ways that i might hook an athlete or get him to get excited but then how do you take that momentum and apply it to the daily action that you need to take on a mm-hmm. daily basis? So that's where target practice comes in, which is the system I told you about, which is doing the things that you need to do every day, those small things that might take you 20 minutes at most. You know, having a system for how you set up your week. Like I want to the, the blueprint, which is that goal execution system I told you about, which is like not just having this big ass goal. But like, what do you what is your three month goal? Like, what, is, what are you planning to accomplish by the end of this month? You know, and, and having those measurable and being able to to track them on your own, where now I have like 13 year old athletes who are journaling every day, who are setting up their own goals, you know, and mm-hmm. and their parents are like, yo, I can, like like they actually want to know what they're doing because they, they're not getting results in their own job and in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not like you can do that. Like you can teach an athlete how to do that, like have a system for how to do it to where you can do that without me actually like you this is the system that you now have and it's it's more than you know an actual journal or you know it's a way of thinking it's like how how, the way that you look at evaluation the way that you look at getting better the way you look at frustration or progress you see what i'm saying and so ruthless self-evaluation being able to objectively 
identify weaknesses like daily, you know, and, mm-hmm. and notice what's working, what's not working. And that's where and the willingness comes to in. work on the weaknesses like it, it, it's, you know, athletes love to work on what they're they're good at. Yeah, you know, yeah. like if you're good at the 40 and you suck at the bench press, like, you know, you're going to be doing the 40 all day. Right. Because right. Because you, you can strut a little bit. You yep, know what I mean? And yep. you don't want to do the bench press because, you know, you suck at that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But it's the commitment to work on the weaknesses. That, yep. that, that, that That's the hard part. Yeah. You said something um, we were talking about commitment to the process earlier but I, I can't remember where it was but you said something about how it annoys you like this idea uh one of the things i always talk about is like don't worry like you set your goal but then on a daily basis like you can't get get too caught up in the results like right. you have to just embrace the process but right you have kind of a different take on that right? yeah so i actually i i get annoyed with the idea like with the idea that you have to forget about your goal, right? And so this was one of the things that confused me a lot as I was reading a lot of books. I'm like, okay, you got this guy. He's telling you, you know, just forget about the goal, you know, focus on mastery. And, and I get that. You got you to gotta master things. But And then you have this one extreme where it's like, you know, uh, this motivational type thing like, oh, you can do anything you want, but it's no focus on, on, on right, the – Right, that's meaningless without right. structure. Yeah. Exactly. But so I like to – I tell my, my, my athletes to to be obsessed with their goal. There's nothing wrong with that. You have to be obsessed with what it is that you want. But that obsession has to be channeled in such a way that you take that obsession and apply it directly to what is right in front of you right now. And so, like, if, if you did that and if you had that type of mindset, then you'd be excited to work out. You would want to work out. You'd be excited to, you know, for practice on Monday morning when everyone else is down and tired. But if you're to the type who's, who's so obsessed with their goal and you don't care about what needs to be done in order to get it, like you're going to get frustrated a lot. And that's Mm -hmm. what happens with me a lot. That's what happens with a lot of athletes. And so it's a constant monitoring. It's a balance. You know, life is a balance. And it's like you you can't be the guy who's just, you know, going along and and focused on – like you have to set a goal, otherwise you're gonna wander aimlessly. Right, but like, then you back it up. You back it. You bet. You you step back from that and create the stepping stone goal. So maybe today, you know, every every workout has to have a specific purpose. You exactly. don't just go and train without knowing why it is that exactly. you're doing what you're doing, right? So today is the day that I'm doing my tempo run workout, or today is the day that I'm doing chest and arms in the gym, or whatever, mm-hmm. and approaching you know each you know set with that you know, presence of mind and mindfulness so that you're completely anchored and focused on what you're doing right now, as opposed to daydreaming about the future. Like, oh, it's going to be great when I'm at the Super Bowl. It's like, no, dude, you got to like do this right now and put everything you have into that. So I think that's more what I mean, or maybe what more other people are meaning. It doesn't mean that you you're you're not cognizant or consciously aware of the goal and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, But I think it 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 takes that. that that focus and it places it kind of in the moment of what you're doing there Definitely. as opposed to in some in you know undefined future exactly place. and that's the that's the distinction that's that's so important that that helped me out so much and that I have to remind myself of constantly and that I sh- that I want to tell athletes is like you don't have to look at this goal that's so far away you can take that energy that you feel that obsession and bring that energy into right now into right now at this workout and apply that on a daily basis and you can condition yourself to do that so when i was with the saints of that 2009 season like it was very clear in the beginning of that season what the goal was and it was mm-hmm. to win a super bowl and everyone there knew it jeremy shockey had just got traded to the team uh drew Brees was there the, the team was stacked ready to go and every single practice every single uh meeting it was brought up. That was what our goal was. And that intensity 
is what gets you through tough losses. Mm-hmm. That 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 obsession, that that energy that comes with that is what gets you through. You know those those rough patches, those hot days. That's what drives you. You know, and so it's a uh, it's like you said, it's taking that energy and putting it into the moment. You mm-hmm. know, and then you actually realize that like. This is fun as hell. You know what I mean? Like, right. like those hard workouts, man, those freaking 100-degree days, like you miss that, you know, because that, that intensity was there. There's two schools of thoughts uh, thought when it comes to big goals. There's one school of thought that says, you know, tell everyone, plaster your goal everywhere, write it on your you know, bathroom mirror, everybody you talk to, let them know what your goal is. You know, it creates some public accountability. Mm-hmm. You're on the hook. And then there's another school of thought that says your goal is your own private thing. Be careful who you share it with, like really covet it. You know, yes. it's like this is your own, this is very precious to you mm-hmm. and you have to be protective of it because once you share it, then everybody has an opinion on it. And right, you can get right. derailed and Definitely. you can be influenced by people who start to tell you, well, that's not realistic. Maybe you should do that. So like, where do you come down on Definitely that? Definitely the second school of thought. I'm not a guy who will tell you to go out there and announce your biggest goals to the world, you know, but and, and and one of, like you said, one of the reasons for that, like you talked about, and younger athletes are definitely more vulnerable, I would say, to this as well. But we're all vulnerable to it, and we like to underestimate how people around us influence us. But even the, the you know a smirk from a coworker or your mom saying, "Oh, really? That's what you want to do?" Or you know, my uh, your dad or your brother. This this these are things that can throw you off track and can sap you of your your level of belief, and so. I don't believe in I believe in sharing your goals with people who are really going to support you and that usually is going to be like a small handful of people. Yeah, you got to choose those people right. carefully. Exactly. For me that's my wife and you know my brothers and things like that, but other than that, man, it's like I do believe in having your goals be very visual. And so having finding new creative ways to have your goal be able to see your goals and so I have vision boards and I have pictures of what it is that I want to accomplish and those help drive me and things like that, but Again, those are in places that I like to keep private, and I don't like everyone coming into my office. No, like no, and not everybody can walk in and look at your vision board. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I tell my wife like when I'm not at home, like like, like a high school girl <laughs> with like pictures from magazines cut out. But, <laughs> like I like I like to keep my junk personal, man. And so like, uh-huh. and, and again, because I I, I kind of under I've underestimated how how much you know people's opinions and things and we all like to believe that we don't care what people think but that's not true everyone cares to some degree and so i work to you know increase my level of confidence and my ability so much so that you know that's not a factor but in the meantime i keep my goals private and you know and make sure i share them with people who who are going to empower me and hold me accountable what kind of method do you use to teach visualization so there's a there's a, a process, if you will, but I, I don't have like a name for it yet. But I've learned it through many different books. One of the books I that was key in me learning how to visualize was Peak Performance. And I can't remember the guy's name, mm. but uh, but look it up. You can look it up, Peak Performance. But uh, learning how to relax, like really actually relax yourself first. And so I use music a lot. And so I do these guided visualizations over music. And so the process is real simple, but getting yourself in a really relaxed state. And so that was one thing that was missing when I was younger. I never knew how to like relax or or get into that state. But your your subconscious is more easily influenced in that state. And so you kind of quiet in your conscious mind that that doubting you know little mm-hmm. voice that's like yeah right you know like you kind of qu- teach train yourself to quiet that. And then I like to get my I like to start off just thinking about anything that gets me feeling good you know. And so I can it can 
at any given moment it can be you know uh you know when my kid was born or you know when i was young and drinking a slurpee with my brothers or you know uh when i scored a touchdown just get myself in a state uh that that i'm feeling good it doesn't have to be related to my sport and then i start to visualize so i start to imagine whatever it is that i'm doing going exactly as i want it to go so i picture how i'd be moving what i'd be seeing what i'd be smelling how i'd how i'd feel you know i and i start to like actually smile in that way and and just feel that and then i sort of have this thing where i I sort of step into it so i imagine that i'm stepping inside of that person you know and then the last step is just letting it go so actually like almost like you're you have a letter you know and you put the stamp on it and you put it in in the mailbox Mm -hmm. you just let it go like your your job is done and so that's a really key distinction that i learned later on that that gets you that sort of trains you to not be so anxious about getting that result. So just just have faith, man. Like you done you done your work, you it's it. done. And so know? that would be like how many minutes would that be? That's about twelve minutes. 12 like minutes. I mean And that's something it, you do like every day or Yeah, uh-huh. so I, I do it every day. I do it in the morning and so this is I actually just created the track th- through my online course Dominate, which I just came out with a, a few weeks ago. The but that's one of the things that I included in there. But it's a twelve minute track and I like music is a big like I'm very much uh, my emotional state is is influenced highly by music, you know. And so, for any given person, it might be certain type of music. I really like hip hop, man. Mm-hmm. So I get I get hype, you know. And mm-hmm. so uh, that elicits good emotions for me, you know. And so um, that's what I use in the backdrop. And so I've I also make affirmation tracks, which I basically like. I probably have about twenty or thirty of these where. I'm just describing success and how I see it, you know, everything from, you know, what I do in the morning to what I, I actually, as a firefighter, I have tracks where I describe exactly how I am on a fire scene and what I'm doing and what things I'm paying attention to. And I listen to these, like I just play them. I listen to them while I'm working, while I'm working out. My ki- I listen to them while I'm in the car. Mm-hmm. I have my kids make them. And it's, it's, it's fun, but it really is like, I mean, people can debate whether or not that stuff works or not. Um, I think it does. And I've seen it in my own life. And so it like when I'm noticing, it's really fun to notice yourself doing something that you established earlier that you wanted to do, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, like, damn, I, that was, that was my goal. Like I, I, I recorded that, you know, like, right. and I was actually just showing this to my mm-hmm. wife. I was listening to a, a, a track that I, that I created like a couple years back, you know, before I became a firefighter. It's like, damn, like, I'm like, I actually did a lot of this shit. Like, I, I did it. You right. know what I mean? Like, so you record these affirmations just for yourself, though. Yeah, for yeah, myself. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, but the the visualization tracks that I, I've created those for my athletes. Now, right, I got gotcha. you. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I, I think it's powerful, especially if you're trying to kind of undo, you know, bad habits yep. or, um, you know, poor thinking yep. habits around, you know, negative thought patterns. If you want to overcome them. You know, you gotta you gotta take actions. You know, yeah. and and those actions have to be taken consistently because yep. it doesn't happen overnight. Yep. Like that's a that's a long road. You know, yeah. to kind of like untangle that and yep. plug it back in differently. Exactly. And the way I like to describe it is because there's some you know books that you'll read and th- these I've read books like this that say like you just make an affirmation and you're gonna you're gonna start to see. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm no. like, like, are you for real? <clears throat> like, it's it's almost like insulting, but. Are you it's one it's only one tool it's just like anything else like it's a tool like you can't have you can't just visualize you must take action as well but a lot, i've seen a lot of people take action with no vision and that doesn't work out either so it's a tool it's a complete set and when you develop that arsenal as an athlete man then you become like 
unstoppable. And that's what I've noticed as I get further on this journey and that, uh, you know, I see guys, you know, guys like you or guys in, in different areas, you know, different elements of, uh, of, of uh, different arenas that have achieved a certain level of success is it's not like one thing, man. It's like it's mastery and it's, and it's mastery in many different areas and it's a commitment to being great like every day you know mm-hmm. it's not like this like you said it's not just one cool thing that if you do this like online i know a lot of guys with online businesses and i fell victim to this is like you have this idea that you're just one little trick away from like no it's it's a process nah, man nah, nah. like it's a it's a grind and it's a it's a hustle it's a it's a it's a collection of of strategies and tools that you have to perfect and keep perfecting and you'll you'll see you'll see the results and it's in the micro actions, you know, like, for example, you know, words are really important, right? right. Words that come out of your mouth. And, 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 you know, for the most part, I know myself and most people, we don't, you know, we don't think about that that much. Right. Just, you know, stuff comes out of your mouth, whatever you're thinking. And we don't really gauge, like, the impact of that on, on you know, how that's influencing our behavior in a more macro sense, right? right. So if you're walking around kicking the dog all the time or just... Uh, this sucks or you know, exactly. in a negative and, and these words are coming out of your mouth like that's a loop you know that's exactly. a loop that is going to lead you in a certain direction and you know this is a challenge for me like I, I shared about this on a podcast recently but I was listening to a podcast and I heard an interview with this guy Brian Grazier who's a he's a very successful movie producer and and uh, he's a cool dude and, and he said something really interesting in the podcast that, that just stuck with me which somebody asked him like you know why do you th- what do you attribute your success to or or your longevity in your career and he and he said i'm really good at gratitude you know he's mm-hmm. like i'm really good at gratitude it's like such a weird it's not an answer that you would expect right right you know and i was like wow I go, that's that's like really powerful you know and and i'm not good at gratitude you know i can be grateful but it's not my default you right know, it's right like i right. got some rewiring to do right and so my wife and i just we were on a big trip we were all over europe and we were in boston like we like just got back from from being on the road for like two weeks and so i told her when we we're <laughs> when we were traveling i go i get i get really aggravated traveling going in and out of airports yeah, and having yeah. to deal with people that you know and waiting in lines and stuff like that and i just get grumpy you yeah. know? And i was like i'm not going to be grumpy i'm going to like I'm going to be the happy traveler. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to be grateful. I'm going to like look everyone in the eye and smile right. and say thank you. And like that's not natural for me. Right. You know, and I was like I wasn't perfect. I wouldn't give myself an A, but I give myself like a solid B. Yeah. And it, and it transformed our trip. Like my yeah. wife was like, "Wow." You know, at, at times it, I was like joking. I'd be like, "Thank you so much." You know, I'd look <laughs> yeah. at my wife yeah. and you know like, like but it was because but I made a conscious effort to think about that and to and to <clears throat> change the way that I communicate um, and and just by changing the words that were coming out of my mouth, that changed my mood. Like I had a better, it was a better experience. Right. And so that requires being mindful like all the time, like all day long in the moment, like, you know, because you just, you, you do it and then you forget. Exactly. Because you go back to your default, right? Yep. It takes work to be present enough to go, I have a choice in this moment about how I'm going to act or react. I don't have to, react the way that I always do because I tell myself I'm this person and this is how I behave. Like, exactly. You, you can change that, but it's not an overnight thing, man, <laughs> exactly. you know? Yeah, it so is. A, yeah. You have to be committed to that process yep. and, and to walking that road and, and it's work. Yeah. You know, there's no way, there's no way around that, you know? Yep. And so, you know, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how your athletes do as they mature and, 
and uh, and uh, it's cool, man. It's cool yeah. what you're doing. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, 
no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. What do the guys in the in the in the firehouse think? Like, oh, you, you some crazy online. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, cuz they're just like how many of those guys have kind of a second career that they're looking at uh, at the same time, like moonlighting on something else? Right. I don't know how much they're moonlighting, but um, there's some guys who who have, you know, some things that they do on the side. But honestly, man, it's something that I sort of keep close to me. There's obviously guys that know what I'm doing and things. And there's even mm-hmm. some guys that, that I work with that, you know, uh, I, sh- I actually shared the peak performance book with one of my friends that, that was uh, actually he just won got first place in the uh, stair climb in oh, Portland. Wow. Yeah. And so he's like trying to uh, win the Seattle one. And I'm, I keep telling him, man, like, you can do that, man. Like, you just close, you know, but he's in, he's like an incredible athlete, man. This guy's like, well, flies firefighters up those are stairs. competitive too, yeah, man. Yeah. Is there like, you guys having competitions in the firehouse all the time? Oh, yeah. Definitely. We have like um, these monthly, you know, sort of uh, workout challenges and stuff like that. But it's honestly, man, like, it's a, uh, it really just depends on who you work with, you know, right. and there's a, because it's like a job that you work there for so many years, uh, usually, uh, you got older guys, you have older guys, mm-hmm. and you have younger guys. So it's kind of similar to the NFL in that it's just a collection of unique people. And you could, at any given day, you can have a you can have a really interesting crew, or you can have a boring crew, you can have a fun crew, you can have a dreadful crew, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of like shaking the dice. But you have a schedule, right, where you work like uh, like a couple days on, and then you're yep. and then you're off for a little bit, right? Yep. So you work so twenty four hours you have, on. You have some free time, to yeah. Like definitely this stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got good free time, and like when you, you know, uh, and and I I've been blessed to work with guys who are like really cool guys. You know what I mean? That are really supportive. And my my particular crew, uh, seventy four A shift. You know, like. Uh, you guys like to work out, you know, and stay active mm-hmm. and things like that. So <clears throat> it's pretty cool. You've been in some crazy fires. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, my in Gresham City, Gresham, man, we have a lot of fires. So like, 
usually a firefighter, depending on where you live, man, you don't see a lot of fires in your career. It's not something that happens all the time. But Mostly we, you're, like, showing up where some old lady had a heart attack. Exactly, right? yeah. You know. A lot of medical calls, but... In my particular city, man, it's pretty rough. Like, there's a lot of... Are you in Portland? Like, No, so I, there's Portland Fire Department. There's Gresham. Gresham mm. is on the outskirts of Portland. So it's smaller, like 100,000 people, um, but pretty low income, and it's a lot of crime, a lot of things like that. So you see, definitely see a lot of things that shake your world up a little bit, but I've I've learned a lot, man, becoming mm. a firefighter. It's, it was crazy because going from... You kind of have an appreciation for for mastery because when you go to something that you've been good at for so long you kind of take for for granted that you've been good at it and then i became a firefighter it's like i didn't know anything so i'm like coming in last and everything you know uh <laughs> like you know just not uh-huh. knowing what the hell i'm doing just looking stupid like asking questions that guys are like uh, you don't know what that is i'm like you know what's this but it's extremely humbling but it makes you appreciate like like i said just mastery man and having to do that all over again and it's uh, it's it's really fun and it's very rewarding as well, especially mm-hmm. when you can you know make a, a difference like in yeah, somebody's, yeah, yeah. somebody's life. You know, like, have you been in a fire where you really thought your life was on the line or uh, not yet? I haven't been in a fire where I've been uh, my life on the line. But when you go in your first couple of fires, all fire feels like that. You yeah. know, <laughs> at least for me it did. I'm like, shoot. But after a while, it's just kind of routine, and you just like anything, man. You pay attention to the details, you know, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not paying attention to details can get you killed. Right. Um, so there's always that sense of urgency surrounding what you're doing. Uh, but it's it's just like anything. Man, you just train, train your ass off, and and keep learning, and you'll be fine. Do you think that your? I mean, is your goal? Maybe you don't want to tell me your goal. <laughs> I'm supportive, man. Uh, are you? Are you? Do you want to? <clears throat> step into like the coaching full time or do you want to continue to do both uh, I want to continue to do both man and um, really I think that there's a way for me to expand my reach online you know simultaneously you know while I'm still being a firefighter mm-hmm. so and that's why online is so cool man and like I said I just came up with my online product my first one and it was like so cool I'm like I can there's no limit to like who I can reach or what the time limit on this is. It's it's like writing a book, which is something yeah. I want to do eventually. But it's a crazy it's like, time, man. Exactly, man. Yeah. Like like writing a book. Somebody can pick your book is going to last as long as books are here, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> and that's a pretty cool feeling, you know. And I want to I want to be able to have that level of impact and not have it be you know dependent on where I am or what else I choose to do, you know, at right. certain times in my life. Cool. Well, uh, I got a I got a couple more questions I want to ask you. Um, one thing I want to do is is have you kind of walk me through your morning routine or you know kind of what a day in the life of 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 you know your life particularly in the in 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 the context of like these tools that you're using that are improving your life. Definitely. And, definitely. The, and the tools that you're sort of teaching these athletes. Yep. So morning time. This is ideal, obviously. You know, uh, but waking up. Like taking a cold shower is is a is a new habit that I've mm-hmm. that I've taken on that's been pretty life changing, if you will. Um, and one been, of the reasons you've been listening to Wim Hof on all these podcasts. No, so I actually <laughs> just I just heard about Wim Hof, uh-huh. but when I first uh, heard about cold, sh- who did I hear about it first from? I can't remember who I first heard it from, but Tony Robbins talks about it as well. Yeah, was, he does like the cryotherapy and all right, that too. Right, and because uh, he's gonna live to be like two hundred. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but. That, that's that been a, a really good habit and just waking you up and, and, and really goes to start your day off doing something that you feel uncomfortable doing and just kind of shakes you up a little bit. 
But meditating has been a game changer for me. Mm. So I use Headspace. Yeah. And when I first started using that, man, I actually first started using this app called Calm, and I would just do it like five five minutes a day. And when I first became a firefighter, I had really high blood pressure, and it's been a problem for a while. But since I've been using Calm, like 50 points lower, man. Like, wow. Like a legit, like, average score, you know, when before it was like 180 over something, you know. And so that's a big a big uh, difference that I've seen there. So Calm or, or doing the Headspace and then visualizing. And so mm. I have a couple of different ways that I do it, and I kind of mix it up. But, again, those those tracks that I told you about that I record over hip-hop music. And then I journal. And so, like I said, I have this thing called a blueprint where I pretty much go through a list of questions. It's all in the form of questions. And I start off by identifying the things that I'm grateful for. you know. And so just noticing the things that are going well in my life. And, again, man, it's like it's a good habit to start. And I encourage anyone to, like, if you haven't, felt so grateful that you want to cry then you haven't felt the level yet and i just got to this this weekend actually so mm. but i think that the practice of me doing this every day has led me up to this point you know and sort of exercising that gratitude muscle but um so the journaling is like a gratitude list or what is the actual so, thing that you're journaling so i'll show you so that's one part you know so i start off this as a sequence of questions and so after I r- identify what I'm grateful for, I write down my goals. Like, so I'll write down either my short-term or longer-term goals in the form of affirmations like it's real. And it's just a, it's a habit that I've gotten into, just writing down what it is that, what it is that I want. And that, that, again, gets me focused on what it is that I need to do today to get that. And then the next question I ask myself is, how do I decide to feel today? So, like, instead of feeling however I feel, like, I want to decide how I want to feel. And I have recipes for how to do that, but... Which what is what is the emotion that I want to have today? Whether it's like I want to be really patient and calm today, or I want to be I gotta be on fire because I'm I got a podcast interview that I'm doing, <laughs> or you know I'm hanging out with my wife all day. I want to be really you know relaxed, you know, and and uh and sort of just calm, you know, because I've had to learn how to distinguish those two. You know, I can't come home to my wife, yeah, yeah. you know, all fired up. You know, uh, she doesn't respond too well to that. But and then um identifying like this is a question that I ask like if I was crazy committed to reaching my top my top priority goal what would I do today and that's a good question to ask because it kind of like gets me thinking like outside of the box instead of just doing the normal things like if I was crazy like what would I do today you know like if I like what I and then that's sort of exercising that that creativity muscle is, is good and then I identify what what is my workout for today and I write it down mm-hmm. and then say what are the top three goals or outcomes that I want to achieve? So, like, what is the end result? And then what are the top five actions that I need to take to achieve those outcomes? And so that just gives you an idea of, like, the, the morning process right. of my journal. And so how long does that whole morning routine take you? Probably 40, 45 minutes. The journaling takes about 10 minutes. All those questions that I asked fit, fits on or that I just told you fit on one page. Right. Yeah, yeah so, that's a good practice, man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it came as, like, you know, when you read a bunch of books that like, everyone's telling you what you should do every day, I'm like, how am I going to do all those I know, things? Like, well, like, the morning routine starts getting longer and longer yeah, and longer. Yeah. It's like, this is like two hours yeah. of stuff. You oh, that's know? like five journals <laughs> that you should have because they're like, you yeah. should carry out a journal for this. And so I just created one journal and I make them, I make a new one each month, you know? And so like I, mm. and I'm constantly adding to it and taking things out. Um, and so then, man, after my morning routine, it really, like, I'll just give you a, on my day off, you know, that's when I hang out with my family in the morning after you know, my kids usually come into my office in the morning. I love getting that knock on the door, you know, when they're getting ready for school and go eat breakfast with them, things like that. My wife go work out, or me and my wife go work out about 9 or something. And then 
about noon is noon to about four. That's when I get my work done. So that's me working on my projects, working with athletes over the phone. Sometimes I might go to the gym to work with them there because I have a handful of clients that I work with, you know, one on one locally. Yeah. Yep. And so that that's a that time block that I work that I get my work done in my office and things like that. And then it's it's shutting it down later on at night and hanging out with my family and you know doing their homework, you know, chilling out in the backyard, whatever that is. And we usually go to sleep pretty late, you know, because uh. It's we still have a hard time getting all our kids to bed at the time that we want them to. So, and it just feels like there's. It's like we on the one hand we're like yo they have to go to sleep at this time, but then it's like I feel like I want to hang out with them, you right. know, like I don't want them to go to sleep yet. So it's kind of hard getting in that balance. But we usually find ourselves asleep by, you know, eleven or twelve, you know. But at mm-hmm. night is when I do my my daily evaluation, and so that's really important. And again, I go through the things that I'm grateful for, write down my goals again. And then I identify, like, what did I do today? And then what were the things that I didn't do that I said I was going to do? And then why didn't I do them? And so through that, I start to see trends, you know? And so I start to get good at noticing the things that are, like, easily holding me back. Or I start to get a little bit more reasonable what I say I'm going to do on a daily basis, you know? And so uh, it gets – I don't – it gets – sometimes it frustrates me when I – put a lot of bunch of things on my to-do list and I only get a few done but I've become okay with that because it's like there's really only a few things anyway that make the biggest difference and so I have my thing I call my one thing so what is my one thing what is the one thing I got to do today that if I don't do anything else I do it and so I, I evaluate myself that night if I did my one thing and if you did what made it easier to do it and if I didn't why didn't I do it mm-hmm. you know and, and then again I uh, identify what are the things I have to do tomorrow and and things like that so again that all fits on one page so it's if when i uh first show my athletes this this journal like they kind of they kind of overwhelmed right, right. And, uh yeah it's like that's it's it's work right it is you know? and, and that's what it's work so you talk, talked about consciously you know identifying weaknesses so for the gratitude thing right it's how easy is it going to be for you to just forget uh you know and just let that be something that you continue to do pretty much forever unless you consciously Right. identify it. and this is a system that i created yeah, you have to that, make an effort to like constantly be reconnecting with it right right and that's what my this blueprint does for me and does for my athletes it just does it in a systematic way where it just reminds you of you know continuously and constantly conditioning and reinforcing that morning and night nice and what about this evaluation that you give to your wife and your kids oh yeah <laughs> i want to so, talk about this <laughs> So man, and can you give me a copy of that? I definitely can. I actually have a PDF. I can share it with you, <clears throat> with your uh, followers as well because I, I came up. I put all the questions. It's a Google Doc that I originally created, like an actual survey that mm-hmm. I would email to my wife and my and my daughter. You it's know, like a I, report card on your behavior, <laughs> right? Exactly. And so I can't remember when this exactly started, but I remember the feeling around the time. It was like, like there's all these i'm sitting here telling my athletes they need to evaluate themselves and they need to be very you know objective about you know being able to identify weaknesses and stuff and at the particular time me and my wife are going through a pretty rough patch you know it's like i was a new firefighter it's like i'm away all the time she's like overwhelmed with the kids man i'm like gone you know like Mm -hmm. in uh you know putting all this work on my business and it was tough for us you know like tempers going you know and, and getting arguments and things and i'm like yo i need to figure out like how what can I do to like get better consistently because I know I got a lot of work to do as a husband so I don't want to overwhelm myself with the frustration of knowing I'm not like fulfilling all of the things that she expects from me like why don't I just start getting better you know and and so I just came up with a list of questions where it's like yo like how so this is is, uh, like rate me on a scale of one to ten and like let's say communication right 
things that she feels is important. So uh, communications is, is big time. So rate me one to ten, and if it's not a ten, tell me what I can, what I can do to make it a ten. <laughs> so that that gets her to basically give me the answers to the test in a way that's not going to make me upset. You know that she doesn't have to be upset when asking it. You know, uh, or, or or telling me, and I everyone's happy. It's like, and I also there are certain questions on there where I basically ask her to tell me. Like, tell me one thing that I did this week that was just, like, awesome, that you were just, like, blown mm-hmm. away by, you know? And give me an example of it. Describe it. And that reinforces that behavior with me, you know? That gets her to start looking, you right. know what I mean? Because well, like, if you know you're going to give her the evaluation sheet, the survey, right. and she's going to have to answer that question, so you better show up in some way beforehand and do something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's just – and reading it makes it easier to, to swallow, like – I get, I mean, my wife would tell you, I get, I've gotten to where, and we actually just had one of these conversations uh, just yesterday on the, because we just drove up to the Bay Area, uh, it was like six hours to visit my brothers and stuff, and I had her pretty much, I was just like, yo, just be dead ass honest with me, you know, about uh, this particular thing, you know, just, I want you to tell me how I show up to you, like, what do I, like, just tell me, like, don't try to filter it, don't, like, I just want you to tell me, like, you're in a confessional and you're just... And she told me, and mm-hmm. I, anxiety, you know, while I'm hearing it, I'm just like, there's a couple of times I wanted to be like, man. She's sitting you? right over there, by yeah. the way. Maybe exactly. she just come on here and like, <laughs> and like say what it is. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man. But she would tell me, and she told me everything, man. And it's like, it's hard to hear, but it's like, I need to hear it. And I, I was quiet afterward. Like, I was quiet as, as she told me. And it was, it was silence. And I know she knew it was hard for me to hear. And then. After about like five minutes, you know, I, I, I responded and, 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 and we talked about it and things like that. But that the the initial like evaluation that I set up, you know, when we were asking these questions led me up to the point where I can I can get deeper and closer with my wife. You know, like I, she yeah, can, you actually, can have those conversations and it's not a fight. Right. Exactly. You know? and, and that's like, how you cultivate deeper intimacy. Right. Right. And knowing her knowing the man that I want to be. So she knows, she knows exactly who I want to be. She knows all my goals. She knows how I see myself, how I want to feel every day, how I want to treat my wife and my kids. And it's okay that I'm not there yet, but she knows where I want to be. So she's able to evaluate me, help evaluate me based on that criteria. Well, and also just the fact that you're doing it shows that you have an interest in being better right, right? like that you're right. committed to the relationship exactly exactly and it sets a, <laughs> it sets a good precedent man my daughter actually loves it like she gets she, she asks me kids fill it out right? yeah, yeah just my oldest daughter right now you know and um she like when i don't send it she asks me like are you sending it you know like uh-huh. and i want to find a way to like automate it or something but she she really loves it man and it it's just it's really less about the actual it's more of like the mindset of just wanting to improve and genuinely wanting to serve uh, especially those who are closest to you. Like, and if my wife, if things are going well with my wife and my kids, man, I'm, I'm on top of the world, you know? And so if there's anything worth investing in, if there's any evaluation I should do, it's, it's as a father and as a husband, you know what I mean? And so I just had to take my own advice and, and I've tried to get better at that and just not taking things personal, you know, and just, just being able to literally objectively hear things about myself and I have an accountability partner as well. We talk every fr- every Friday, and um, we ask ourselves the same questions: like, how do I show up to you? You know. Mm-hmm. And so I I, t- I tell I tell the people this all the time: like, I give my wife my wife permission. Like, if I'm acting like a little bitch, you can tell me, like, stop being a little bitch. Like, and I got to that point. I wasn't always at that point, 
But my wife can tell me that if you if you acting if you're doing things that that aren't consistent with how you ultimately want to be, like I want you to tell me, you know. And I don't don't care if I get mad. If I get mad, that's good. You know, I'll get mad. I'll get in my feelings, but it's almost just like boiling out all the impurities, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then hopefully at the end you got something pure there, you know, mm-hmm. what is this accountability partner? Oh, it's like just for one, your business. Yeah. It's but, one of my friends and I actually met him through, uh, through one of the online courses that I took. And so he's one of my good friends, uh, James, and he, he keeps me accountable, man. And we have, we have a set of things that are important to us that, that, uh, we want each other to hold accountable for. So like, for example, with me, like I want to, I want him to make like to, to make sure that things are going. Like I want him to ask me about how things are going with my wife and how certain weaknesses that I have, like what I'm doing on those, and and it's to the point now, and we get better and better at. it. In the beginning, it's a little awkward, you know. It's right, like yeah, it's, so you want to, you're you're being honest with him, and you you're like, oh, is he gonna take this the wrong way? But we've gotten good at this, and he calls me out. You know what I mean? And and I'm getting better at doing the same for him, and it's it's. It actually gets pretty fun, you know, because when you, like, come face-to-face with your weaknesses instead of trying to run from a man, like, I feel like you get more – that's what courage is, you know? Like, you get more confidence that way. You don't get less confidence by facing your weaknesses. You get more Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you're taking action to improve them, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love it, man. Send me that PDF. (laughs) I'll definitely do that. All right. All right, last question. Um, For the athletes that are listening or even just somebody – who perhaps is feeling stuck in their life, maybe an athlete who's hit a plateau or somebody who feels like they're in a job they don't want to be in or what or, or what have you, you know, what is one piece of advice that you can give, one actionable item that they can implement into their life to start to shift that experience? Okay, one actionable item. I would challenge everyone to sit down, to block everything, turn off all your phones, uh, go go somewhere where it'll be just you and I want you to write down a clear vision for yourself a clear like in an ideal world how would you show up what would you do what would you what would you how would you dress how would you talk how much would you earn that this that process of coming up with a very clear vision is 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 been the most important thing for me you know because if you don't have that vision it's like everything you're doing you don't know where it ultimately ends up so be clear on that and don't limit yourself like really make it something that's attractive to you and and be open to that vision expanding you know and adjusting along the way but just doing that alone and i mean you talk to people who are stuck like when i was at the point of life when i was stuck and i didn't know i didn't have a vision but mm-hmm. as soon as i got a vision then i started taking action then i started doing all the things that i needed to do then opportunities started showing up and i was able to take advantage of them so create a vision like create a solid vision and have the start working on your system uh, around what it is that you need to do on a daily basis. So setting up habits that will support that vision. So everything, ideally everything that you do on a daily basis should support your vision of your higher self, you know? And so, and you want to just work towards that. And so the, I'll create, I've created a a PDF for for your listeners and I'll, and I'll share the link with you uh, that you, you can get that target practice system that helps you set up those habits and has a chart for you to keep track of it and things like that. Same one that I use with my athletes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes up to that. Then. Definitely. Cool, yeah. man. All right. Final thing. <clears throat> my boy, Josh Lajani, he's a friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before. Biggest Saints fan ever. Oh, nice. So you got to give him a shout out. Hey, shout out to Josh, man. Go Saints, <laughs> man. 
<laughs> All right, man. I think we did it, dude. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing it, man. That's that's an inspiring message, and uh, it's been super great to yeah, talk th- to you, man. I really appreciate it. Definitely, man. Thanks for having me, man. Cool. So, uh, if you're digging on, is it knee knee? How do you say it? Knee knee. Yep, knee. Yeah. If you're digging on knee. Uh, best way to find you is I'm not you dot com and uh, Nii Shobo on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. And N-I- on Instagram as well. Nii Shobo. Yeah. N I Y I S O B O. It's yep. Shobo even though it's S O B O. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Anywhere else? Or is, yeah, both Instagram, Twitter. Yep. And I'm not you dot com. So you find me. Cool, man. Thanks so much. No doubt, man. I appreciate it. All right. Peace. Relax. All right, that's it. That's our show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I totally dug me. I thought he was super cool. And I wanted to let you guys know that he has a gift for you guys. He wanted to make sure that some of the documents that we discussed during today's podcast would be accessible to you guys for free. So he's made three of his PDFs completely free for my listeners. Uh, It includes his daily blueprint, which is kind of a spreadsheet where you account for how you spend your time and how that moves your goals forward. Uh, Also, his nine-step plan for creating bulletproof habits, and also his accountability survey, the document that he gives his wife and kids that we discussed today. Anyway, if you want to check those out, uh, they're completely free. There's nothing else required of you. Just go to imnotyou.com forward slash richroll, I-M-N-O-T-Y-O-U.com forward slash richroll, and I'll also put that link up in the show notes, uh, which is cool. That was very nice of him to do that. Speaking of show notes, don't forget to check out the remainder of this week's comprehensive show notes at richroll.com on the episode page. Lots of stuff to uh, delve into there and take your edification to the next level. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter at richroll.com and to download the free iOS app from the App Store. That way you can access the entire RRP catalog, all 198, yeah, 198 episodes completely for free. For all your plant power needs, you can get those at richroll.com. You can get signed copies of our cookbook, The Plant Power Way, signed copies of Finding Ultra. We got all kinds of T-shirts, all 100% organic cotton. We got plant power tech sheet, tech tech tees, tech tees. Uh, we got sticker packs. We got temporary tattoos. We have beautiful limited edition art prints, all kinds of cool stuff that make for great gifts this holiday season. Uh, so check that out and keep sending in the questions for future Q&A podcast to info at richroll.com. Uh, check out my online courses at mindbodygreen.com, the ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition and the art of living with purpose, of course. Uh, and thanks for supporting the show, you guys, uh, for sharing it on social media, doing all that fun, good stuff, and for always using the Amazon banner ad for all your Amazon purchases. I love you guys. Make it a great week. I'm looking forward to getting into December with you guys. Lots of great shows coming up. So until then, peace, plants, be well.